Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, November 15th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I have an important story that I wanted to follow up on, in particular around the Al-Shifa Hospital, that I found some publicly available information that doesn't seem that anybody's really focusing on other than some conversations on social media, which is where I first saw it, which we'll, we'll get to and make sure to give that person a shout out. It's important as this dynamic, this discussion, the back and forth around Israel and Hamas and Israel, Palestine, the focus on the ongoing genocide against Palestinians, that the narrative has ultimately become that because Hamas is there, because Hamas uses human shield, none of which needs to be proven. Right, Because ultimately, as we've talked about in the past, the UN investigation or the lack of even a single example of any of these things happening in this current example of the ongoing genocide against Palestinians, yet they continue to say this as if it's an ultimate, absolute, end the conversation argument that means that anything that we're doing is justified because of this thing we keep saying. Even though as human rights lawyers, groups, the United Nations, international human rights groups around the world have all said that's just not true. You, what you're doing are war crimes. We can prove they're war crimes, and we can prove that you have the intent to commit genocide. And yet, powerful governments around the world continue to their detriment to stand by this very belligerent Zionist government that has now completely exposed what we many of us have been trying to draw attention to for years. But today, it turns out that there's an interesting development around that ar- the argument about the tunnels, the, the terror tunnels, as they are ridiculously called. The tunnel, it can be used for anything. But, but the point being that it seems that under Al-Shifa Hospital, there was some tunnels built, at least as we're told, and a command center built, but just not from or built by who you may think. I'm sure you can figure that out before we get there. But we're also going to follow up on some important frustratingly enough yesterday's show due to, and it's not, it's my fault regardless, but due to the frustrations I was dealing with before I started, as you guys remember, if you were waiting, I was like 20 minutes late yesterday. I don't, again, don't want to get into some of the frustrating things I had to deal with that I still actually can't explain, but it put me under the gun and I was already behind because I did actually have a time deadline yesterday. And I ended up forgetting one of the most important things of the show yesterday, which I planned on doing at the end which was the leaked document coming from a a Dutch source about deliberately targeting civilians. So many of you may have been wondering, wait a minute, that's in the title. We didn't even get to it yesterday. Even though I did say it, I didn't actually show the documentation. So we're going to go through that early in the show today. But I'm going to start as well with a follow-up again on one of the points that uh, Jason Bassler highlighted on our social media today. Give him a shout out. But we have a few other important topics that I want to go through today, a, a lot more as usual, and it's more than I've ever seen in a very short period of time. And I mean, I mean that daily that we're seeing these narratives just absolutely dis- debunked, disproven, completely torn apart from the Israeli government. Accusations, claims, floated propaganda that gets completely, I mean, like really embarrassing ways, using photographs from last year and claiming it's evidence of what happened in 2023. One of the ones we actually just talked about. It's, it's really incredible that they think they can get away with this right now. And what does that really show you? If, as we can prove, and we'll show you, they did use an image to say that woman was raped and we can prove it, except that was an image from, appears to be Ukraine from 2022. So what does that mean? Did they just make a mistake? Was it the old, they used the wrong picture? Well, maybe if it was only one example, but it continues to happen repeatedly for the entire month we've been covering this. 
So obviously, if you're being an objective person, they're lying. And if they had the evidence that proved their claims, then they would be showing that instead. So it's kind of an easy thing to deduce as long as you're being objective and honest with yourself. But we're also going to talk about some developments in regard to not just the Al-Shifa hospital, but an overview kind of focal point on the argument of what Hamas is focusing on and why they argue that drives what's happening and the undermining point that exposes even that in and of itself. We've already touched on it, but again, in that main section, I told you I was going to go over again today in more at, more at length, which is where that Dutch document was going to come in, but I'll, I'll be showing you twice during the show today so we don't miss it. But a really important focus on, on how obviously, one, this is genocide. Now, there's this game where they're batting it back and forth. No, my human rights lawyer that's pro-Israel says this. No, my human rights lawyer says this. It's, it's, it's not about what people say or how they interpret it. It's an objective reality that what's happening is genocide. It's very clear. And we'll go over the information and show you plenty of lawyers and international rights groups and people that are saying that, but explain why it's very obvious. And we'll also go over the argument of the self-defense again and show you why that doesn't apply. And we're going to make this very as clear as possible today. Now we'll see time-wise. I'm just, I've been trying to say this not to make myself end up going longer as you guys can laugh at me, but trying to force myself to make these a little bit shorter for my own personal desire, not necessarily because somebody asked for it. But today this could be shorter if I do my best on this. So we'll see where we can aim at, hopefully under two hours. We'll see. So starting off, I wanted to make a couple of important points in, uh, based off something I was saying the other day, but ultimately kind of stemmed from Glenn Greenwald's tweet here. Now he says, and we'll start with this and I'll make the point off this after it. He says, yes, Egypt is a country that was finally allowed to have a democratic election. Oh, excuse me. Let me start here, actually. Now you, you'll see where I'm going with this in regard to foreign policy. This point is an overview point, but it's, it's focused on just Egypt and what Glenn is saying. But the point that I'm making is the, the people we're dealing with here. I mean that in the sense of not just Israel, but the whether oh, and, and not even just Zionist, by the way. But that's kind of what I think is the, in the common thread for a lot of this in the current circumstance, but as well of a lot of things. But specifically just the Western governments right now, and, and even more specifically, the U.S. government and Israel's government and a few very standout individuals in the European government. But my point is the West. Not just that they're lying about what they want to accomplish and that they want a rules-based international order or that they want human rights and free speech. It's not just that. It's the fact that they're not just lying about what they want. They're, in fact, doing all of the things that they pretend all the bad guys are doing. It's just it's it's infuriating. And even if you want to frame it as they're doing that thing, but from a good perspective, like we're fighting for freedom while we do it. Well, that's just a statement. That doesn't mean anything if the outcome is the same. But I guess we're all swayed by things like this. And you'll see what I mean. So he says, well, first of all, the tweet that he captions, starting from his thread, says the part of the GOP conservative movement. Oh, and sorry, one more point. I wanted to give Glenn a shout out because there's a lot of people that kind of have their their niche, you know, and they they're the, the left guy that attacks the right. Right. And we see that a lot. That's what he kind of got pocketed as for a while. The, the left, the guy who's a lefty, who is always on Fox talking about these things. And they tried to pretend that means he's not a real lefty, which what do they even mean? Stupid. But I love the fact that here he is now that topics have shifted. This is kind of what I was saying that now he is just going, OK, well, we'll talk about this. And he is pointing out all sorts of contradictions and hypocrisy in the right. Now, all of a sudden, you got right wing people going, you're, you know, <laughs> violating something or you're turning on us. No, he's just being objective. Now I have plenty of criticism about Glenn and past things going all the way back to, you know, 
things like WikiLeaks and, 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 and as well as Edward Snowden, all, all, all sorts of things. My point to say that is I want to give him a shout out for showing that he is just giving you his thoughts on whatever the focal point of the day is, as opposed to just staying with what people expect from them. And there's a lot of them. I'm not going to name everybody today, but on that point, the part of the GOP conservative movement for whom Israel is a paramount issue is the process of attempting to destroy the reputation and expel every conservative not fully on board with the long-standing bipartisan, that's important, DC orthodoxy of full and complete support for Israel, which within that means no matter what. Full and complete, no matter what happens, we're there. That's what they basically, if not completely, say that today. And this is him just tagging, uh, you know, encapsulating a tweet that talks about Candace Owens and how terrible she is today. And why? Same kind of point I was just making, because in this person's view, she just got it wrong on Israel. But wait a minute, it's not just that. Now they dig back and pick apart other things she didn't get exactly right per the partisan talking points. This is how the game works if you're stuck in the two-party paradigm. So he's just simply pointing out that this, this is what we're watching happen as they eat themselves alive because you, you dare to go afoul of the Israel support discussion. But he then says, there's, a, there's long been a strain of U.S. conservatism that applied America first principles by asking why the U.S. sends billions to Israel even when it, Israel, harms U.S. national security, which is damn near on a cons consistent basis, if not entirely, first led by Pat Buchanan, then Ron Paul, who succeeded in the GOP with this. You don't need, and this is Dave DeCamp from antiwar.com, anti you don't need to be a leftist to stick up for Palestinians. Ron Paul and Pat Buchanan said in 2009 that Gaza was a concentration camp. 14 years later, Gaza is still under siege. And now you can't even call it that because it's racist. Like just it, it's for a long time they we were the the art the the interest of truth was losing ground in this conversation. Again, I simply argue that what Israel has just carried out over the last month exposed everything. And again, I argue had they not done that and simply waited and allowed the international community to decide based on October seventh, everything would be different right now. They did this to themselves, and I don't mean that in the sense of the illusion. The Israeli Zionist government's been committing atrocities for 75 years or more. My point is they did this in regard to showing you who they really are to themselves. Maybe because they thought they could get away with it? I don't know. But Jonathan Chaim says Egypt borders Gaza. Simply, I guess, my, I guess I'm taking that as they should go to Egypt, right? Like it's, it's Egypt's fault or, you know, kind of including that in the point And then he responds. And this is where all that, just so you see the background, this is the point I wanted to get to. He says, yes, Egypt is a country that was finally allowed to have a democratic election in 2012 after decades of U.S. supported dictators. Sadly, they elected someone the U.S. and Israel disliked. So he got promptly replaced by a new U.S. supported dictator with the help of John Kerry. Let's not forget the joke I love to make, which isn't really a joke. Trump literally says, where's my favorite dictator as CC enters the White House? On the record, everyone heard it, it's recorded. It's ridiculous. But that's why we, I, I, that's why in many ways I appreciate Trump's administration, not because he's honest, but because he, he whether through being clumsy or because maybe he wanted to, I'll throw you that bone, was taking the mask off. No, we're there for the oil. Very clearly giving you the reality. My point is, the U.S. government and Israel are not honest in this game, guys. They are constantly manipulating countries. They are constantly breaking the rules and laws they pretend that are paramount to everybody else. In this case, the one point, not just for the world, but just Egypt. The point is, and you can prove this, 
as far back as you want to look, they've been playing Game of Thrones with these countries at the expense of the people for their benefit. And then whether you want to believe that they decided to let them vote or not, however you want to play that point, the point was the outcome, even if it was an illusion of democracy, they still didn't like. So they did it again and put somebody that they wanted in place who has now allowed the normalization deal with Israel, even though pretty much everybody doesn't agree with that. Democracy, right? And the point was John Kerry was completely involved with this. He goes on to say the Obama administration's support for the military coup led by the gen- by General Sisi in Egypt via John Kerry to oust the leader democratically chosen by Egyptians after winning the right to democratic democracy in those Tahrir Square protests was yet another area of full Democrat GOP agreement. Because that's what always comes down to. They agree when it comes to every, I mean, the divide, even though I do believe they've got personal petty divisions, is really an illusion meant to keep you thinking that they're in this back and forth battle while they're just always marching forward when it comes to war, occupation, and whatever else they do overseas. The point, though, is that these people in Egypt, they voted. They wanted this. And they don't care. Or you could argue they pretended to put this in play. I mean, the point ultimately is that these people don't really have an effect on the outcome. That's you, America. That's you right now. It's been you far back as I can look. We just need to come to terms with that. The first step in solving any problem is admitting that we have one. And we're almost there. Even in the two-party paradigm, we're right there. We are not voting for people. We are not electing people. We'll get more into that in 2024 election comes around, which you know seems to start the day after the last election. There's no more any kind of game about, you know we're fighting for the country, we're fighting for foreign policy. The moment the election ends, they're back in the swing of fighting for the next election. That is always how it goes. Now, anyway, the point here is that our governments are actively doing the kind of things that they blame other governments for, even though most of these governments aren't even provably doing the things they talk about. I just think that's really important. Now, on that note, Tom Fitton writes in a very frustrating way. I have a lot of respect for Tom Fitton and a lot of different work that they've done. But I have to be honest, this framing is really ridiculous, in my opinion. So AP News puts out the report that says U.S. extends sanction waiver allowing Iraq to buy electricity from Iran. Now, you know where the GOP's kind of like rabid mindset is about anything that has to do with Iran or Russia or China. It's very alarming the way that they frame this, very dehumanizing. And they always pretend it's about the leaders and the government, but then it rapidly becomes anybody that even (laughs) their names even start with Rush. You know, it's like, oh, they're bad. They're bad. Just because we've been framed that way or war on terror. We, I mean, we all know this guys, it's happening right now with anybody who even is connected to something tangential to Palestinians. You're bad. You're bad no matter what, except we're only fighting Hamas, but that makes no sense, right? You can tell it's the allowable hate. So in this case, my point is that the Iran discussion with the $6 billion from, from Biden wasn't from Biden. It was Iranians money. And it's so stupidly easy to prove because it's on the record. It was money that was seized. Now, yes, because you want to argue that this is stopping them from terrorist organ actions and blah and everything. It just it's look, I'll even say, you know what, maybe you're right. I disagree. The facts clearly don't back that up, but maybe you're right. The bottom line is it was still Iran's money. So giving back their money that you've been seizing and holding for how for just unjustifiable reasons is not giving them money or get bribing them or or becoming the impetus for what just happened in with Hamas. It's it's just completely disconnected but certainly possible but then why would journalists and people in these fields be pushing this now anyway the point here 
U.S. extends sanctions waiver. So this is new. This is as of uh, November 14th, yesterday. So what does this mean? The Biden administration has extended by four months a sanctions waiver that will allow Iraq to continue to purchase electricity from Iran and gives Iran limited access to proceeds to buy humanitarian goods. That's what's happening. Or we should frame it as rather that's what we're being told anyway. Who knows what actually could be happening behind the scenes. But this is the stated reality that everyone's engaging with, including Tom Fitton and anybody on the right. The point is, it says, in regard to this whole process, there is roughly $10 billion in Iraqi payments for the Iranian electricity currently being held in escrow accounts in Iraq. And the waiver will allow Baghdad to maintain its energy imports without the fear of U.S. penalties. Okay, so what's happening there? Is Biden giving Iran $10 billion? No. That's really dumb, and it's not what's happening. What we're staring at is an illegal occupation in Iraq, in Syria, pretty much everything involved in this conversation, and the illegal sanctions and actions against Iran, you know, stemming all the way back to the illegal coup that they carried out that Iran fought back from. And what are they doing? And I, I God only knows why. I don't understand why this move is being done, because Biden clearly has put all of his car, all of his chips in with Israel. So by even allowing this is seemingly against that kind of agenda. But either way, the point is, you're simply allowing them to exchange with each other. They're allies, they're neighbors, they're countries that are, I mean, why U.S. even feels they have the right to step in and say, you're not allowed to buy fuel from this country because we don't like them. It's just crazy to me. Of course, people that are going to scream, they're all terrorists, but that's not true. Just like you for scream, all Palestinians are terrorists. It's just not true. So by allowing them to exchange and purchase electricity, and, and all that does now is giving them a waiver ex- uh, extension, it opens up the possibility that they can then reap uh, the benefits from the exchange of goods and sale of electricity that's already been done that they have not gotten paid for. Just because it ends up being in this lump sum, if that's how this goes down, because they remove the waiver, all that really is is stopping being the bad guy in the situation. Now, that's going to bother people that think Iraq and Iran and anybody you don't like or anybody with a different skin color is somehow a bad guy. Well, I have news for you. You're, you're ridiculous and you're, you're lost in the reality of things. The bottom line is this is helping people. Now, yes, the government's going to benefit from too, but you have average people in these countries that suffer because of this. And I just think that's important to understand, but that's going to get framed as, like I said, the Biden regime gives green light to Iraq regime to send $10 billion to Iran regime. And this is Tom Fitton, somebody who's not an, he's an intelligent person. This is, this is partisan politics, in my opinion, that circumvents logic. Because that's what you're supposed to say. Bottom line is, I think that the, well, actually think about the interesting part about it. The Biden regime, or rather the U.S. government, is occupying Iraq. They're in control of basically everything that happens there. Now, I'm not going to pretend that they have, I mean, I don't know. I would imagine they are intricately involved with the processes of everything that goes on in the government because that's what happens in an occupation, but I don't know that for sure. The bottom line is the ultimate say comes from the occupier. So for them to green light Iraq, that's just the U.S. government saying, yes, we're going to allow this in our controlled area. And to call it a regime is a funny thing to say when you know the government is, I guess if, here's what the, here's my point. If this was under Trump's administration, how much you want to bet it would be framed a hell of a lot different, right? The Trump administration allows the Iraq administration to, you know, however you want to frame it, send back what's rightly there, but they probably wouldn't frame it that way anyway. My bottom line is that this is just not the reality. These are the people we're actually dealing with, the kind of governments that would allow these kind of things that would hurt the civilian populations of other countries and frame it as doing right. That's who we're dealing with. 
Now, here are Reuters reports that France issues an arrest warrant against President Assad. It's an interesting thing to do in the middle of all this. What's going on with that? Did they do something new? No, this is based off some old conversation about, I guess, chemical weapons or, you know, whatever the thing they said five years ago. But, you know, let's go after them now. You know, sort of like, the, I forget what we just talked about where that happened, where they're going, well, let's just do it today. Right? It, it happened four years ago, but we're going to suddenly do it now. The bottom line is, as this person, as the Palestinian highlights perfectly frames, eventually, amid daily protests in French streets against the Israeli genocide in Gaza and the murder of more than 11,000 Palestinians, civilians, most of them women and children, France issued an international arrest warrant for President Assad. Right, because that makes sense, right? As everyone in France, I mean, or even, even Macron, by the way, recently stood up and said they're killing children. And yet, clearly, the, the control is obvious to me. And let's not forget that we just interviewed Kavor Kalmasian, and he strongly believes, not just an opinion based on his research and his sources in, in multiple locations, he believes that the U.S. government is preparing to assassinate Assad specifically because of how it affects the Israeli-Palestine conversation. And all of a sudden, it's interesting. Now, getting into some more of the manipulations, I think this is an important conversation to start this out with. And this happens to be about the absurdity of the way that they're framing the most benign things like here is a bottle, here's some installation or some in, um, uh, uh, I was going to say insulation, but more piping, as you can see in this video, things that, you know, here's a wall but this is a terror Hamas wall. <laughs> Here is a closet, but that's a terror Hamas closet. That's how we know. It's really, it's embarrassing. And I'll, I'll play a little bit of that video I did yesterday, but here is the director of electronic intifada saying the Israelis raided a hospital and found toilets and a ventilation system. They want you to believe this justified genocide. Think about this for a second. In every one of these hospitals, the mosques, Where's the evidence so far? Have you seen Hamas information? Have you seen Hamas bodies? Have you seen Hamas anything? I've seen a few images of like 15 guns in a corner acting like this is some huge success. How do we even know that's actually their guns? It's really ridiculous. And he says, I'm so glad they're showing the world how pathetic their propaganda is. Again, this comes from COGAT, Coordination of Government Activities in, in the Territories, which is subsor uh, subordinate to Israel. And it says they discovered this in the Rentis, the Rentisi hospital. Right, because it's not just one hospital. They're bombing, invading, occupying, and doing all sorts of terrible things in pretty much every hospital. I believe it's more than seven now. And yet the media only focuses on one. While trying to gaslight, by the way. But here's what he said. See this room? It's in the basement of the hospital. We can see this area is a closed area from the rest of the hospital. We can see the ventilation air that was done improvisedly to this area. And we can see infrastructures that was built in here. Toilets, shower, a small kitchen will provide the terrorists their needs. Also conduct a high... Now look, I'm not saying that might not be the case. Or I'm not saying that, you know, it certainly could be. But, I mean, or it's just a room that somebody put together in a basement. There's no indication this is as any direction for terrorism or Hamas. I mean, like this is, I'm really kind of shocked that this is how bad this is. Hideout. A hideout where terrorists take hostages and hideout. And I will show you now the evidence. Look above it. It's a baby bottle. It's a baby bottle in a basement. Oh my God, it's a baby bottle in a basement in a hospital. Because there's never kids in a hospital, right? 
I mean, I, I mean, I showed you the image of this yesterday, but I just, I just am actually kind of speechless that this is what they're really doing. Above a World Health Organization sign. Oh my God. This is a suspicion for an area where hostages were being held. We're now looking at an infrastructure. You don't need to build something improvisedly in a hospital in the basement. Unless you want to hold someone in the basement, you don't want anyone to see him. Oh, is that you don't you never build a bathroom in, in a basement unless you want to hold hostages? That doesn't really line up. Again, we're in the same basement and here we see diapers and we right. so a baby bottle, diapers in a location where there's children. Now it's all gross and bombed out because they bombed the hospital. That that's why. Otherwise this would be a normal room. See, I don't know, maybe something. You see oh, oh, oh okay. There maybe something. Whew. We're sold now. Maybe something. And some diapers. Okay. The bottom... Guys, this is not a joke. This is not satire. This is a real thing. That's actually how crazy this is. I'm really not joking. So here's the thing. The, and just so we're clear, I mean, this is posted by the... This is the official account of... Uh, again, I just read it. It's the coordination of government activities in the territories, which is subordinate to Israel's government. Now, we just played this one. Right. I'll, I mean, I'll play it really quickly again. This is again, this is the same guy in this in another room showing you a calendar. It's a list. This list in Arabic, in Arabic, this list says we are in an operation. The operation against Israel started in the 7th of October. This is a guardian. Now, here's the craziest part. I've asked people what they can read on this. And apparently there's literally nothing but like a basic calendar. I mean, why wouldn't they have at least made something up? Like, I just don't understand. And again, this is why this is so, this is why this video was so ridiculously funny because this is actually happening. This is, now this is a parody, but tell me that you can tell, that you could tell the difference. Had you seen that first one on Saturday Night Live, you'd be laughing, but that's a real IDF member you just saw. Here's the parody. This is where terrorists paint by number. They come, each terrorist paint different color number of Lana Del Rey, and they pretend that they know how to paint. They pretend they know how to paint. This was found in the hospital before we were going to bomb tomorrow. And this is a terrorist map. Over here, there are many numbers for a motor, a terrorist motor by a terrorist named Nikola Tesla. It's in the hospital that we will bomb. This is a fan. Every time Hamas makes something, they are the fan. They celebrate it. This is found in the kindergarten that we will bomb. That we will bomb. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I hate, I mean, you know, as much as it's a horrible thing that's happening. You know, it's not, it's, you shouldn't be ashamed to find some humor in the absurdity of what they're doing in regard to the Israeli lies. So, but it, it real it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's the same thing. Now on that note, oh, and by the way, I really do agree with someone said in the chat. I mean, it's an indication of how little they think of American audiences or specifically the West, because that's what it's aimed at. Now, Scott Horton points out, guess what? Just like I've been telling you and anybody honest has been telling you, Donald Trump is the exact same thing.
As he writes, Scott Horton writes, Israel first, Bruce Bard points out. And by the way, we, re- we interviewed Bruce Bard during the recent 9-11 anniversary. If you don't remember, you should check it out. He says, and it's not just Netanyahu. Listen to Donald Trump. The conflict between Israel and Hamas is not a conflict between two equal sides. At first, you're going, oh, wait, maybe he's going to point out they're an occupied territory. Nope. It's a fight between civilization and savagery, he says, between decency and depravity. That's it. You're Palestinian. You're gross and bad. If you're an Israeli, you're good and on the light. According to Donald Trump. Big surprise, right? Who, did anybody really think that he would say anything different? That's why he was careful to stand up and just simply go, if I'm president, I won't allow World War III. And then allowing people to assume he means he'll stand up for what's right. If there's even Republicans at this point that even care about Palestinians, there's plenty of them, but you don't see it in the paradigm or on social media right now, it seems. I shouldn't say there's plenty of people I know, but here's what he actually said. On that terrible Saturday morning, the world saw once again that the conflict between Israel and Hamas is not a conflict between two equal sides. This is a fight between civilization and savagery, between decency and depravity, and between good and evil. There is no... Just, he, he, might, he probably just got the phone with Netanyahu. I mean, it just it's disgusting. And this is going to make so many people that might have been on the fence that do support Trump to, to suddenly believe that. Because that's, how, that's what people do that are stuck in the game of politics. These, this is a savior complex. It's just gross to pretend like this is anything but an ongoing genocide against Palestinians. There's so many examples, whether we're talking about the investigations by human rights groups, Amnesty International, human rights lawyers, or the fact that we can prove they're repeatedly bombing UN locations where we know that Israel is aware of these locations. That even the international community in general is standing up to point out that even until very recently, not even Israel was suggesting that Hamas was somehow influencing them. 50 plus locations, 100 plus people killed. And only then recently did they stand in front of the UN or the, yeah, in the UN even address the fact that they thought that the UN was influenced by Hamas. Oops. Cherishes life and cherishes no comparison between a group that we see in depravity and between good and evil. There is no comparison between a group that worships death and a group that. A group that worships death. Now, that's stupid even for Hamas. I mean, really, guys, that, this is trying to play on the ignorance of anybody who thinks they're just a bunch of rabid suicide vest-wearing maniacs. Which, look, remember, the U.S. government in Israel verifiably made, armed, funded, and continued to work with them up on as far back as, as recent as 2019, at the very least, as even Haaretz was covering right when this started, as Netanyahu made that clear. So if you're going to pretend that they're that bad, then you can't pretend it's only one side that's involved. But... It's much more complicated than that. And we'll get to the charter again in a minute. This is how embarrassing this is, that you can literally look up the Hamas charter from the Jewish library, or the Jewish, uh, what was it called? I'll get to it in a second. It's, a, it's an official, it's like the Jewish something library. And it, it, the charter's in full. And I'm going to compare it to what you have. There's this video going around where people are, I guess we're told, reading from Hamas charter. And I'm going to prove to you that everything they claim they're reading is not in that charter. And on top of the fact, that, as I've already shown you, it's clearly stated and explicitly stated, we are at, this is a, directed at the occupation of Zionists, not Judaism. It literally says that in their own charter. And yet they tell you that it's about killing all Jews and the charter says so. And that's what Trump, I guess, is just blindly repeating. Cherishes life and cherishes our nation. Right. Because, of course, the Israeli government cherishes life, unless you're a Palestinian. 
or, you know, a, a Ethiopian Jew or, or an Orthodox Jew or, you know, anybody other than the Zionist. But yeah, they, they cherish life, clearly. Every single life that is lost in this conflict is on the shoulders of Hamas. Of course. Right. So the 10,000 plus civilians, the 45, 5,000 plus children, it's all Hamas. Except we haven't seen a single example of one Hamas member killed so far. Not one. Explain that for me. Hamas alone. Hamas alone. And I think you have to really add in the word Iran. Of Iran. course he does. Iran, of course. This Iran. Why not? Let's just say the word Iran. Yay! Why? Because they pretend that Hamas is controlled by Iran because they want to make this a bigger story. It's all for their political benefit. And it's disgusting. People don't want to talk about it. Oh, yeah? They don't want to talk about it? You mean other than literally everybody who's not an independent media who has an objective reality here? Literally everybody from every side is pointing at Iran. But yeah, no one wants to talk about it. They're always trying to play this illusion game to act like what he's doing, what the right is saying is like the, you know, the silent majority. <laughs> They're all saying the same thing and they pretend like nobody is. It's ridiculous. There can be no sympathy, no excuses, and no escape from these monsters. And we will... Uh... So apparently all of Iranians are monsters, just so we, we're clear on that. We will do what has to be done. Now, of course, you could argue he's talking about the Iranian government. But the point is that we can clearly tell that their actions, whether directed at the government or not, always take the, take the they, they develop, or what's the right word to use there? They always are embodied by actions that hurt civilians. Every single time, like the Yemeni people starving, like the Iranians that starve every time they take action, like during Pompeo, when Pompeo was in power. Or the starving of Afghanistan, the starving of the people in Syria, the starving of the people in Iraq, the starving of the people in Palestine. Isn't that weird how the only consistency you can see is that they say we're bad guy government and starve people, not the government? I think you know why. But just so we're clear, same thing. Trump is no different except for the way that you, you choose to interpret the words that he selectively uses. Well, here's the Atlantic. The Biden administration is correct not to seek a full ceasefire at this moment, which would give Hamas a chance to rearm and perpetuate the cycle of violence, says Hillary Clinton. Hey, look at that. Hillary Clinton and Trump are thinking the same thing. Big surprise, only to people lost in the paradigm. Anybody else realizes they're all part of the same problem. What's interesting is Trump will be very careful not to play, to wade into the ceasefire pot because that will place him on some kind of side. He's very careful about the way he acts. He sides with the people that will interpret what he says very ambiguously in the way they want to believe him. That's he knows that he's very tactful in that regard. Right. So here's Clinton, who is saying exactly what Trump just said. Wrap your mind around that. It shouldn't be too hard because it seems to be everywhere right now. Now, I just saw this and I thought this was even more interesting. This is Seth Dillon, who is uh, at least, I forget if he's in charge of or one of the lead people at the Babylon Bee. Trafficker of misinformation under the guise of satire. Well, here's what it says. Hillary Clinton rebuts the call for ceasefire. Says Hamas rule in Gaza must end. Just like Trump was saying. <laughs> Isn't that weird? They're on the same page. Hillary and Trump high-fiving right now over the top of all the dead bodies. So here is Seth, Dill Seth Dillon saying, I agree with Hillary Clinton. Down here are things I thought I'd never say. And somebody down here goes, and that doesn't give you pause? Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to, at, at some point, end up, like, this is the point when I say that, that Clinton or Trump or whatever else, or even the media for that matter, sometimes they do align with the truth. And it's, in my opinion, never because they're actually being honest or because they care about the truth. It's because their interests 
occasionally end up aligning with what's right or the truth. In this case, that my point could be that Seth, Seth Dillon has this opinion because he honestly believes it, and Clinton is just saying whatever she wants. My point is, not directed at Seth as much as everyone seems to have taken it that way. I'm just using this as the example of what's this weird dynamic, right? Where you've got people like the Babylon Bee or anybody else on the right that was moments ago, you know, or like with everybody, acknowledging what Clinton was and how bad she is, whatever else. My point is, this topic has broken many and exposed even more. And I really mean this was not like, I don't really even mean that Seth himself was broken or exposed. Just my point is that it's interesting to see that this topic, it really has kind of broken the conversation. You've got people that were suddenly aligned with all sorts of things that are now weirdly aligned on the other side, saying the same thing as Clinton and Trump. And, and yet doesn't, like the person said, doesn't, you don't stand back and think about why that's happening. I just think that's really interesting. And I do believe exposed a hell of a lot of people, a lot of people like Ben Shapiro and others that are like, again, to their own detriment, uh, going after this topic. I think we know why. I think the Zionist influence over a lot of these people is powerful. Now here, getting into some of the lies that these people will ignore, they will never look at, even though you can prove that this was a lie, like many of the other things that they've now ran from, like the 40-beheaded baby story that Ben was was the leading person on that topic and has now just gotten real quiet about it. Max Blumenthal points out the Israeli government has published a new fake photo purporting to show a victim of rape by Hamas at the, at the festival. Right. So again, realize that no one has proven this. You have the one image of the woman with blood on her pants that was used to argue this or Shawnee Luke, who again, nobody's proven that we can actually, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to minimize it's, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If somebody in these, let's not forget as well that you have, Random Palestinians running in. You got Palestinian Islamic Jihad as well. You got Hamas members. So it's all these different dynamics. Any number of people in any circumstance during war would do things like this, whether it's rob, murder, rape, steal. It happens in U.S. wars every damn day. It's happening right now in some foreign country that U.S. government's occupying. We don't talk about it. My point, though, is not to say that it makes it okay or to condone it. It's just something that is unfortunately disgustingly common. My point in that is to say that we still have got no evidence to suggest that's actually happened. We've gotten a bunch of allegations. So now, at the place they say it was rampant, we now have an example where we can prove that they faked a photo about it. So that seems to undermine even more the fact that this, or the, the, uh, the point that this might have not even happened in general, let alone the way they say it did. The images, and I mean the sense of the allegations. The image predates 10-7 and likely shows a female Kurdish fighter killed in, the act in action whose corpse was defiled. They are described on a Japanese website as beautiful Kurdish soldiers killed on the battlefield. The post is dated from May 2023. Here's the Japanese site where the original image can be seen. And you can look it up yourselves. I have something right on Twitter that'll make it very simple. Here are the Israeli Foreign Ministry has published the fake photo here before. And that's what that one is. Or actually, no, this one. Oh, that, no, excuse me. This one. So apparently it looks like they have. Oh, so this is, no, this is the same link to that. So. Below is the original, and you saw this. Remember this? We just talked about it. The woman with the underwear pulled off. We just pointed at this and talked about it, right? And my point was, even if it was an example of that, how do we know what actually happened? We don't have any evidence of what happened and who did it. Just being an objective reporter. Now, first, this is the same guy we pointed out in the beginning, the foreign editor of Jewish News UK, BBC, CBS, Sky News, blah, 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 corporate media, who says, 
con- uh, graphic content from Hamas sexual violence on October 7th, another private screening by Israeli authorities for specifically the journalists they handpicked who will blindly believe what they're shown. Oh, and, and realize there's no, nothing you can see. <laughs> he just says, here's what I saw. Let me tell you why it was terrible. Terrible like an image of a bloody crib or an image of a bloody car seat or an image of a bloody hand. And they go, oh my God, look at what Hamas did. Well, so you are blindly assuming because Israel's telling you that. This, I mean, it's been this way from the very beginning. And these people, these, these corporate media journalists are clearly the ones, like they wouldn't invite everybody. They didn't invite Al Jazeera. Why? You know why. Not to say that you can trust Al Jazeera, but because they are clearly, at least in this circumstance, willing to report the reality on the ground. So this shows you, and again, this is one of the things that this was talking about. He's literally describing this exact point. Two dead women lying at the music festival. One has the underwear taken off. Okay? So here is this image posted March 2022. Now this one is, they're claiming, see, somebody at some point going, a Ukrainian soldier claiming that Russians were raping people. But you see, it's not even from Ukraine. At least seeming, it seems to go back all the way to some Kurdish individual. But the point is that this is something that happens. They just reuse their propaganda, which seems pretty stupid, seeing as how we have the internet. But what more proof do you need? If this was posted in 2022, which you can clearly see that it was, it clearly didn't happen in 2023. Boom. Israel's lying. They know they're lying, and nobody seems to care. I find that to be wild. Thank you, Max, for pointing this out. Here's another point. Omar Vad, uh, Vyad points out, I oppose the elimination of Palestinian journalists without fair trial. Hey, somebody with a conscience. The point is, we know that they've already argued that they can kill these people. They put them on the elimination list is why he's quoting that. That's a real thing. Journalists. He says, this violates Article 79 of the Geneva Convention, but Israel doesn't care about the Geneva Convention. They lie about stuff every damn day and continue to murder civilians. They continue to ignore the fact that it's an occupied territory, which gives them the right to armed rebellion. They don't care. But this person writes, it was false, the the uh, the claim that they were there, right? That was the point we already talked about, just to justify attacking journalists. That's this person's opinion, but let's realize, remember, this started where? Well, actually, I, let me say one more point. I was gonna, we, we remember I just showed it to you at the UN, per the UN ambassador from Israel, right? Reading that they had you, CNN and, and AP journalists that were there. Remember, we just talked about it, but apparently it was that's not true. But this is where it comes from. And this is from AP, which the article is right here. Media Watchdog says it was just raising questions without ins- without ins- with insinuations about photo- photographers in Hamas. You know who that supposed watchdog was? A group called, you might remember, Honest Reporting. This is ridiculous. And even AP can't call them what they are, even though they're not just raising questions. They blatantly said this, even to the point to where the Israeli ambassador read it in front of in front of the UN. You, we just showed you this, saying that they were AP journalists, CNN, they were all there, and they, they you know, that you heard it yourself. We played it yesterday. So it says in the article, Gil Hoffman, executive director of Honest Reporting, Just read it for you right here. 
Executive Director of Honest Reporting and a former reporter for the Jerusalem Post, big surprise, admitted Thursday the group had no evidence to back up the claim that they suggested that the journalists were there. Now, I mean, I mean that in the sense of the mainstream ones, but I think it's pretty easy to assume. I don't know for sure. It's possible they weren't, but that there, we know there were journalists in Gaza. So it's not hard to imagine that they might have gone along with whatever was happening and might have been filming in that regard. My point, though, is it says he said he was satisfied with subsequent explanations from several of these journalists that they did not know, claiming that they weren't there. Oh, so now we just put it to bed, right? Well, no, because now you've got people all over the Internet claiming that they were in there reporting and to the point to where he literally said it live in front of the U.N. And remember what he said when he was reading this? He mistook his own writing or whoever wrote it for him as the WHO gave them the instructions. And he put his glasses on. He goes, no, excuse me. Who? Who gave them the instructions? My point at the time was how dumb that he's reading this and doesn't even care. He's accusing the WHO for a second until he, and you can hear it in his voice until he realizes, oh, wait, that was not true. So it's I, none of this is based in fact. And the accusation he was using has been debunked already and stemmed from this ridiculous group that we just read, watched a video from yesterday, which we're going to make look even more ridiculous today on the same point. Remember what they were saying? Reports of the Al Shifa hospital coming under siege by the IDF are not only fishing. And they were basically going, here's what we're being, we can see in the evidence, but here's what Israel said twice, as if that proves anything. Crazy to me. And let's not forget, that puts a little bit of an interesting challenge on this point. Oh, actually, no, I'll come back to that. The the, the, the part that where the dips, we're going to get into the hospital in just one second. But I just, I just can't get past that, how crazy that is. So they lied about, they, he, he used a claim he did not even know was true in front of the UN and literally said that these journalists were going to be added to an, elim- an, an elimination list. It wasn't even true. These are the people that the world is listening to, or rather the leaders of the world are listening to, the rulers of the world are listening to, blindly. And in real time, just like with Ukraine, you can show that they're lying, just like this absurdity. Fake chemical weapons accusations. They had, they had instructions for chemical weapons. Oh, they had an Arabic copy of Mein Kampf. It's ridiculous. Albeit possible, but it makes literally no sense other than building the narrative that they just hate Jews. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But here is the memo, which again, we'll get to it at, the, at the, probably the last segment of the show. But early wanted you to make sure you saw this. This was the one that I forgot to include yesterday that I did mention. Diplomatic memo from Dutch Embassy. Israel uses disproportionate violence, which, by the way, then means that you are not acting with international law. Because the whole point that they claim is that, well, human shields or when you're fired on, which we can't even prove is happening, you're allowed to respond, even if you think there may be holding shields. But the point is it has to be proportionate. But that's not even happening. And we know that. I mean, it's so blatantly obvious destroying. I mean, the amount of destruction and even them again. I don't even know why we have to keep bringing this up. How right in the beginning, as even the Guardian reported, he said the emphasis is on damage, not accuracy. That's directly from the government of Israel. And yet we we act like they're being pinpoint targeting Hamas and proportionately responding. He literally told you. But it says, according to a confidential memo from the Dutch defense attache in Tel Aviv, the Israeli army, quote, intends to deliberately wreak, wreak havoc on infrastructure and civilian centers. That's, there's, 
All of this is a war crimes, but the idea that we can, that now you even have a Dutch attache telling you that they claim to be deliberately targeting civilian locations, not because Hamas is there, but to wreak havoc on that infrastructure. That is an egregious war crime. It's a crime against humanity. This strategy explains the high number of deaths among the civilian population. It's crazy. It's all there. That's why I keep telling you, they've already lost control of this. A shout out, huge shout out to Freddie Pontone because he's doing excellent work. And this is where I first saw this. Now, we also point out this clip that this was from yesterday's show as well. And this is a great post that just went out and, and heads up in general. This is all going to be coming through our accounts, which has never been my personal account. But up until now, it's pretty much only been me posting through this account. But now we just so you know, Jason Bassler is going to be posting on these platforms uh, in, just as T-Lab, but posting things like this. And I'm really excited because he's doing excellent work so far. And he remember, he just started for T-Lab and he was he's formerly of the Free Thought Project, which I, I, if they're still active, he's still a part of that. But as I'm told, I guess it might be going away, which is so sad because such a great platform and they've been doing such good work, a lot of police accountability for so long. It just shows you what happens. Like anti-media, Carrie Wedler, now, also now working with T-Lab. They got, and, and at pretty much the same time, they got destroyed because of the, the very first, one of the first, uh, purges on social media. It's very sad. And they were, that's because they were reaching people. But the point was, don't forget 2,100 aid trucks were supposed to reach Gaza the following weeks after the initial October 7th incident. None of them arrived according to the UN and according to Egypt and realize that's in a zone that, that Hamas is not present in and does not control. It's the crossing. So the point is that Egypt sent these across with the UN's allowance, its UN involvement, involvement, and ultimately they never showed up. Uh, no aid even reached them until the 20th, despite what Israel was lying about. Here we are again. And again, the document you can look at for yourself is right from the United Nations. Now, you can, you can, I, I, we just went over this yesterday. It's a three minute clip. It goes over what I was just talking about, but you can watch it for yourself. But I want to give you guys a, him a shout out on this as well as everywhere else he's posting. This is where you're going to see him. And also on that same note, make sure you're following us everywhere else. We're trying to build our presence on all these other platforms, you know, the ones that aren't censorship, per, you know, manipulators. But this on minds.com, same point, same post on Instagram, on Gab, and on MeWe as well. On that note, by the way, I just signed up for a, a platform called Blue Sky. Seems pretty, pretty minor, small at the moment, but another place you can follow us. Now, oh, and here is his original tweet, by the way. So doing great work. Now, uh, Philip Lazzarini, is it Philippe? I thought it was Philip, but it looks like Philippe. But they, I think they've been saying Philip Lazzarini, who is the Commissioner General of the United Nations Palestinian Refugee Agency. He says today, as of the 15th, they just received 2,300 liters of fuel. Hey, problem solved, right? Everyone can put, you know, act like it's all, you know, everyone's going to recover and they have fuel. Well, guess what? It can't be used for the overall humanitarian response, including medical water facilities. It's appalling, which is weird to me that he wouldn't write why, but he did here. But it's interesting to me that I, there, I, it's, even these people, I mean, look, we know there's pressure and influence in the UN as in a major body. And, and it's interesting, though, that now, I mean, even as they just attack the UN as an entirety, that they would still kind of pull back on this. I find that interesting. But here, so you can see it, they received, and this is today, over 23,000 liters of fuel, the most important thing in the conversation of aid right now that they desperately need for the hospitals, for individuals, for everything. 
And that's why the Israelis have made sure it doesn't go through because the aid that is going through the, the 5% of what they might need daily. That's a band on a bullet hole. That's more of an insult. Most of it is un, not really effective in the sense of, of aid because the fuel is not there as well. This is coming directly from international bodies. And on top of the fact they need it for incubators, heating machines in the hospitals, but for the civilians, you know, it's things like boiling water because they don't have clean water, even though they pretend that they give them water, 97% undrinkable or cooking and heating food. The Israeli authorities or heating their homes. The Israeli authorities have restricted the use. That's the point right there. The Israeli authorities have restricted the use of the fuel to only transport the little aid coming from Egypt. So they basically taunt them with 23,000 liters of fuel and they go, but you can't use it only for the two trucks that we pretend are coming through, but we hold back anyway. This fuel cannot be used for the overall humanitarian response. Why? Including for medical and water facilities at the United Nations. Right. So let's be really clear. They're, the UN is usually the mediator in situations like this. Now they're saying you can't even use it. Now, they're not implying here that because Hamas might get it. In fact, that would be the opposite historically. But as they just recently accused them without any evidence, it seems like who knows why. The bottom line is they're not saying no for Hamas. They're saying you just can't have it. You can't have it for medical purposes. You can't have it for water. You just can't because we don't want to help these people. That's what's actually happening. That's wild to me. Now, the hospital point, right? So we just went over this again yesterday. Now, I'm not going to play these again, but just so you can see it. These are the doctors who are there who are telling you a combination of we are not seeing Hamas here which of course they could be lying, and that what they're doing is horrific. They're shooting people that leave. They're not letting people get aid that, are, that need it. They're making sure we don't get what we would need to actually help these people. As he says, we are unable to do anything for our patients. They're simply dying in front of our eyes. This is Al Shifa Hospital and all the rest of them, by the way. We have Ghassan uh, Abu Sita, who is one of the is a London-based doctor who is in Gaza and is choosing to remain there at his own great peril. And he'll tell you some of the horrific things. And this was written all the way back on October 26th. And it was horrible then. We have the CNN report, which, in, again, my point later in the show will be even these corporate, pla- I mean, everyone is beginning to show this. There are th- sounds of the final gas from Gaza's collapsing healthcare system, which has caused people on the right to even more so now pretend that this means it's an illusion or, you know, kind of like they pretended Donbass wasn't really being ethnically cleansed in, in Ukraine because it was for some greater international purpose. That's also happening, but it doesn't mean this isn't real, right? That's a way to gaslight and hide the atrocities that are taking place, guys. Now, also... Doctors Without Borders has reported on the 11th, we have reported on the 12th, the 13th, the 14th, it's been happening every day, that people who are leaving or trying to leave are being shot. God, they say that their own staff are watching people get shot at as they try to leave. And remember, they just said, here's where you can go. We'll leave this open. You can flee. And then they shoot them when they leave. This has been verified from like four or five different outlets, including people like Doctors Without Borders. They're urgently recalling for ceasefires and protection of medical staff, and they don't care. As even Mint Press News covered the next day, in the last 24 hours, their snipers have shot inside the hospital, killing nurses, patients, a paraplegic man, according to Doctors Without Borders. It's all as obvious as it's ever been. Now, the last update on yesterday on the uh, updating 
Al Jazeera page for what was going on, <clears throat> excuse me, in the, you know, kind of the updating uh, 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 timeline. The last one was Israel says that it will raid the hospital. Okay, so here's where we get into the interesting part. This entire time, the argument has been Hamas and, and there it's a command center and all these different conversations, right? Now they push in. Now up to this point, yeah, I, where's the evidence? I've seen zero evidence. Shouldn't they be required to prove this? Well, we can also prove, like the Jablia refugee camp, that they're willing to kill 400 people to maybe kill one person. And yet, where's that person? We still have not even had that confirmed. The point is, I think everyone with a conscience and a soul and a brain cell can see that they're just white genociding an entire population. And just by you're going, but Hamas, human shields, Hamas, tunnels. So now they raid it. So first, what has happened since they raided it is horrific. Cuts News Network reports the G- director general of hospitals in all of the Gaza Strip has reported that the occupation forces have now interrogated patients their relatives, medical staff in the Al-Shifa hospital for 10 hours. Now ask yourself if they had tortured and raped and, and manipulated as we've seen. I'm not saying that happened, but had they done that as we've seen in the past and then to the point to where these people just would say whatever they needed to say to stop the 10 hours of manipulation, torture or interrogation, which can be just as concerning. And they said, fine, there's Hamas is here. And then they show you that clip without any context. Everyone would buy it. That's how this tends to work. It can work. And we know they've done this before because we've already proven to you that some of the things that those people said that they showed you in interrogation, when it later went on to be proven to be false. I'm trying to remember the very last one, actually. I think that might want to, what was the very last one we saw? I can't remember now. But earlier examples of this, we already showed you some of those. So that was either them forcing him to say it or he was lying or however you want to look at it. But bottom line, turned out to be false. Menar from Impress News reports that Israel arrested all the journalists at the hospital, at Al-Shifa. How does that make sense? Because they already created the narrative that they're all bad guys, so they're going to kill them all. In the last video uploaded, you can hear heavy machine gun fire or tank firing sounds. There's no one there to film what Israel's doing. That's largely why they do it also. The Pentagon backs Israel's claim Hamas is hiding in the hospitals, giving a green light to commit another massacre. Now, is, uh, Fiorella Isabella points out something really alarming, and here is a direct report from uh, the Euromed hu- uh, Human Rights Monitor, which says Israel turns Shifa medical complex in Gaza into a detention center. So I guess we can assume that these babies are all dead now, which is just the most horrific thing I could possibly imagine. Israel turned Shifa medical complex in Gaza into detention center. The Israeli forces stormed in large numbers in the Al-Shifa medical complex in Gaza City and turned it into military barracks and a detention center. So at this point, wouldn't you argue that they would have Hamas members in, in custody and killed? Aren't they the ones telling us the whole thing is a command center? Now, look, even they're not saying all of it is underneath this thing. They're telling you that they're, even Israel's saying, look, we, have, we can show them in the hospital. And it turns out that was actually some kind of cane or a, 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 like a nightstick. It's, it's embarrassing. The lies they've spun. Why would they need to lie about it if it was that obvious? Where patients, displaced persons, healthcare professionals, journalists are subject to different forms of abuse. This is literally according to Euromed Human Rights Monitor. So there's my point. So they abuse these people in, in interest of trying to get them to say something that will work for their agenda. 
Euromed Monitor expressed fears of killings, executions, as its team documented sporadic gunfire in the hospital since the early minutes of the raid. Stressing that the Al-Shifa complex did not witness any gunfire other than from Israeli forces, right? Or just to make it sound like it was, they were fighting bad guys. The Geneva-based organization highlighted that the Israeli army is the only party controlling the scene inside Al-Shifa medical complex amid a total media blackout. Now ask yourself, if they were convinced and they knew that Hamas would be found, wouldn't they want you to see that in real time? The only reason you create a blackout is because they're afraid you might see something that doesn't align with their agenda. Sort of like the point that I always make about how Israel is one of the most tightly controlled secure areas as a country, but you'd be surprised maybe to find out that it's exponentially more secure as you leave. Now, why would that make sense? It's about controlling the flow of information of what's going on inside occupied Palestine. As anybody that's ever been there will attest to, like, Abby Martin or Vanessa Vili or Eva Bartlett or any number of people. The Geneva-based organization highlighted that the Israeli army is the only party. No third parties or international organizations were permitted to be present. Why not? Why not bring in CNN? Which raises doubts about any Israeli narrative that would be released later. That's an important thing to think about, right? We don't know what's going on right now. Everything that's now happening could be done by them and they're going to claim it later. That's That goes any way you want to spin it. This was happening with Palestinians in raiding some Israeli location. It's the same point. You People may argue that I wouldn't do it in revert, but that's just them placing that as an assumption over me. My work speaks for itself. We have to be objective on any side of this. Now, you can read this for a report for yourself. She did a good job kind of summing that up. Now, Rami Ab- Abdul points out 12 hours. Now, th- and this is the professor of law and finance, the chairman of Euromed HR. He says, 12 hours of invasion and no signs of any Hamas tunnels or headquarters unless Israel is creating the scene that might be released later. And he puts and he captions this tweet, breaking Israel's planning on invasion of Al-Shifa, no media coverage, no other party attendance, no UN, no Red Cross. Israel is the arbitrator, the judge, and the executioner. Israel can tell whatever li- it lies it likes. So after 12 hours, this is some point today, Nothing had been released yet. Don't you think they'd immediately show you if they found something? Now, Tim Sharrock points out, CNN lets the IDF do the reporting it's supposed to do. This is the U.S. media in the toilet. Well, been there for a long time. But here it just simply says, I like this phrasing from the CNN reporter. Israel, Israeli military officials say they are working on providing concrete evidence of their charges. Who's working on it, as this person writes? The team in the TV studio or the guys collecting weapons to plant in the basement? Israeli military officials says it's going to take time for their surgical, interesting choice of word, operation in Al-Shifa. Since the claim is Hamas is in the basement or below it, what is the IDF doing in the rest of the hospital? Right? Guys, it's very clear to me in every way that this is being set up. But let me show you why I think that even more so. Thank you to Ion Palestine who put this out. Oh, I was following them. Pretty sure I was. As they say, just preparing you guys for the propaganda that will be published tomorrow. The IDF built a basement or a bunker under Al-Shifa Hospital in 1983. That's how they know it's there. The Israelis will use this as an excuse to commit their war crimes in the hospital. That's this person's opinion. And this ties back to a mainstream platform. Back in 1983, when Israel still ruled Gaza, they built a secure underground operating room under the tunnel beneath Al-Shifa Hospital, which is one among several reasons why Israeli security forces are so sure there's a main Hamas command center. Okay, so this article you can read for yourself. 
99% of what it's reporting is the same thing you hear everywhere else. All of it stems from, you know, the corporate media said, and that comes from what Israeli media told them or what they saw as they were walked through an area that was the context was given by the IDF. My point is what we, what can we prove based on, and here, just so you can see it directly from Wikipedia. When Israel, uh, again, that doesn't mean it means that it's true. It just means mass adoption. So that means that the narrative where they're pointing, usually the, what's on Wikipedia is, is usually what the U.S. government says is the reality, right? It says, when Israel occupied Gaza in 1967, six-day war, the entire Egyptian administration and staff in the hospital were taken prisoner. Okay, so first point. Here we have Israel, not at a time when they're claiming this was, some, this was a, just a hospital at this time, right? They went in, they arrested everybody, took them prisoner. Okay, so building a, you know, giving you some context on how this is what Israel does. This wasn't because Hamas was there. It's because they took over the hospital, which is a war crime, guys. That's a crime, even then. The hospital underwent a major Israeli renovation and expansion. Okay. At that point, you might think, well, they're making it better for everybody, right? Well, here's the point that matters. The, the architects designed and built a large array of underground infrastructure, which the IDF later pointed to as part of the underground Hamas command in 2014 and 2023. Just, they just added that. In particular, in 1983, the Israelis built a secure underground operating room and tunnel network beneath building two of the hospital. Okay, so now we know that they've got some command center set up under the hospital. They've got a series of tunnels under the hospital. Now, you should ask yourself, when they did this, it was a hospital, right? It was. We could prove that. So you now have real-time example, just provable evidence as the citations and everything else that Israel is the one who built these things under hospitals or a hospital. So just because, let's put it this way. Still, there's no evidence that Hamas is there or is using that location. They've told you this for a really long time, which would, and, and publicly, by the way, for years, they've said this publicly. So wouldn't that then make sense that Hamas not being that dumb would just, even if it was go somewhere else. I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, I mean, for decades, they've been saying this is their central command. So why would Hamas maintain that as their central command? If that was the case, it seems pretty stupid, but nonetheless, the point is we still don't have any evidence that they're there, not even thus far as they're pushing in, but even if they were. Doesn't it matter that the location they're using was built by Israel at a time when the hospital was a hospital as it is today? But the point is where there's no indication that they claim or even the narrative that Hamas was there. So that means Israel's the one using hospitals as human shields. I mean, come on, guys. Now, if we later find out that there was evidence that we can independently prove, not Israel says or shows an image of, that they do have some kind of command center, well, that needs to be discussed. Because that would then mean that they are hiding under a hospital. That would still not justify Israel's actions in the hospital. All that is important to understand. No matter what, what they're doing in this hospital is a crime. Saying, what else should they do? I can give you a million examples other than bombing the hospital while they're full of civilians and then going in and shooting and torturing civilians in the interest of maybe finding Hamas. Oh, and that was, the, that was why I want to show you this again. Now think about this. Remember, this came out. The UN showed these pictures and said that they bombed the hospital, which we can prove they have repeatedly. The built they bombed the they bombed the roof, which killed somebody, and took out the solar panels. They bombed all around it. They bombed the hospital, 
And guess what? They've been warning that they would bomb the hospital. So it's weird. People would go, they didn't do it. They literally dropped lethals and said they would do it. That's when they go, they should have left. We're talking about babies on incubators, people that are destroyed, missing limbs, people that cannot leave. And that's why they're staying to help them. Glad we cleared that up. Even though we can also prove that they would bomb them as they left anyway, as they've repeatedly done all over the country or the crossing. Glad we cleared that up. My point, though, is that they are now trying to claim, or rather they're weaponizing community notes, as it often always has been, by simply saying, this is consistent with a collapsed tunnel. Well, that doesn't that means that it could be. Not that it is. It's a weird thing to say, right? As you can prove that they bombed it. But here's the question, or the point. Even if it was actually a, because of a tunnel, well, it was one that Israel built. So... It may not even be because they're there. It could just be because the tunnel they built collapsed. The point is there's so much more context that comes along if you care about that. And you damn well should. Now, in regard to the conversation about Hamas and whether they would do all of this in the interest of just going after Jewish people, which, by the way, doesn't line up when you when you keep telling us that they just would use Palestinians as human shields. Or isn't your entire argument that they are in some kind of mission against Jews, that Palestinians are the ones they're fighting for, but then suddenly they're, you know, none of their arguments seem to add up. But the point is, it's because most of it, are, most of it is proven to be false. Dan Cohen tells you, as he was in Gaza in the past as a journalist, first I'll let, you, I'll let him speak for himself, and then I'll show you why you can prove what he's saying is the case. Hamas knew, you think Hamas didn't know I was Jewish? Of course they did. In fact, they gave me extra protection because I'm Jewish, because they knew people who might not quite understand. One time in Gaza, I went with a friend to the rubble of this neighborhood east of Gaza called Shijaiya, which now is getting hit so hard in this current war on Gaza. And it did in 2014 too. You know, I'm just talking to these salt of the earth people. It's an amazing experience. They're, they're just so real. I asked my friend, I'm like, do you think we should tell them I'm Jewish? He was like, okay. He's like, oh, I have Jewish friends, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's going off. A couple days later, I actually got called into Hamas's security office. And they were like, you cannot tell people that. Do not do that because you're going to get yourself in a bad situation because you never know how people are going to react. So Hamas protected me as a Jew. Isn't that interesting? Now, to the point, no one with, who's honest should claim that there's not some element of negative perception about Jews in Palestine. I, I've made that clear from the very beginning. Because you're living under a what you're told is a Jewish nation state with a boot on your neck. But what we're trying to show people, and I believe strongly, as based off what they're saying today, that most Palestinians have understood this too as well, that it's a Zionist problem, not a Jewish problem. Just like you can show in so many other examples, or very it's exactly the same point of the representation of the you know Muslim terrorist, which is really a construct of the United States, the West, and Israel using those things. It's the same kind of game we've always showed you. It doesn't mean those things don't also exist as individuals in the world. But in this case, they went out of their way to keep him safe because of that misinterpretation. Doesn't that not lie? It makes no sense, does it? So here are a few people being told to read the Hamas Charter, or so we're told anyway. And this comes from a group called Facts for Peace. There's so many of these ridiculous groups out there. You know, it's like the Patriot Act, you know? wasn't about patriotism. They just know they get, I'm about freedom, peace, and love. And all they do is share lies about it. You know, it's just so ridiculous. But so what they're about to read, by the way, almost every single word other than and and or, you know, is I'll prove to you is not even in this charter. So you, you might wonder, why would they go out of their way? I mean, it could be because they're, well, I always do that. 
Why would they go out of their way to put something out that you could easily show is not even true? Well, they could be believing it's true because of what the narrative is and Israel says and they think they're doing what's right and they just are too stupid to know and can't, don't even do due diligence, which means they shouldn't be in this position. Or they know it's not true and they're in this because they're pro-Zionist and they want to push the agenda. But listen to what they have to say. This is what a lot of uninformed people in the paradigm and elsewhere are actually believing Hamas. This is what they believe Hamas is what's stated in their charter losses as possible on the Jews. Kill them one by one. And don't leave even one. Oh my God. This shit's like scarier than a horror movie. The day will come when we will rule over the United States. The day will come when we will rule over oh Britain God. and the entire world. <laughs> this is some Hitler shit. They don't think that they're protesting for this, but they sort of accidentally are protesting for them. No, 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 they're really not. They're really not. They're not as dumb as you guys, and they're very aware of the difference between Palestine and Hamas. They're fighting for pre-Palestine. That's what they're doing. Yes. Allah will kill the Jews in the hell of the world to come. So, so we're to believe that Hamas believes they're building a hell of the world? See, they can't even hide their, their, their hatred when they're pretending to speak as Hamas. I don't know how to respond to this anymore. It's like... It's just glorifying death. I mean, I've never read it before. I knew it was... But that was pretty bad. These are the good guys? <laughs> just so ignorant. These people, I mean, willfully so in many cases. But okay, we're going to take over the United States and Britain, right? We want to kill as many as possible and all the Jews and everything else. Okay, well, let's look at the charter. How about that? Oh, and by the way, as, as, as we're talking about extremists and, and, and people that are willfully ignorant, as, as I wrote, while an extremist and belligerently vocal minority of Zionist sycophants are calling anyone with even the slightest bit of empathy for Palestinian civilians an anti-Semite and racist, I just wanted to remind you what one actually looks like. Here's a tweet from Ben Shapiro from 2010. Israelis like to build. Arabs like to bomb crap and live in open sewage. This is not a difficult issue. Settlements rock. You know, the illegal settlements that nobody anywhere claims are legal. That period. Israel doesn't care that even the United States makes the, that they're illegal settlements. So not only does Ben not care about international law, he believes all Arabs anywhere in the world like the bomb crap and live in open sewage. Now, as much as he tries to qualify the statement today, as he's done many times, he goes, this is what I really meant. It's one tweet with no follow-up. It's very clear what he's saying. That's who he is. He's showing you that today. That is what a racist bigot looks like. Not the people saying free Palestine and they go, wink, wink, here's what they actually mean. No, he's telling you who he is when he does that. So here's the charter itself. And this is from the Jewish Virtual Library. Document of General Principles and Policies. Now, there's a lot in here we could read, and it's worth looking through for yourself. Not everything in here I'm going to say I would, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a charter you'd expect from a group that's acting in the interest of some kind of, uh, you know, religious freedom or, you know, whatever you want to frame it as. Like the idea that they're trying to fight against some oppressive religious concept and they're fighting for their, you know, what's the right word for it? How would you, I'm blanking on the word for it. If you're in any case, the point is that they believe they're trying to fight for that, that ideology is the rest word to use. You know, some people would call them terrorists. Some people would call them freedom fighters. And it's always the lens through which you look. And we know that it was started with the intentions of being an extremist group by Israel, as they've stated repeatedly on the record. But then we also know that things have shifted a lot since that. And a lot of 
intelligent people argue that things have changed. So it's up for you to decide. But the facts ultimately matter because this is verbatim from the Jewish virtual library of what their charter says. And here's what it says under the heading of the Zionist project, number 14 of their tenants here. The Zionist project is a racist, aggressive, colonial and expansionist project based on seizing the properties of others. There's a lot of Jews. They'll tell you that today. Torah Judaism, a lot of Orthodox Jews protesting both in Israel and around the world or very highly respected British Israeli historians like Avi Shalom, who will tell you that's the obvious reality or, you know, just the objective truth that it's obviously that. But it says it is hostile to the Palestinian people and to their aspiration for freedom, liberation, return and self-determination. Sure sounds like a terrorist group, right? The Israeli entity is the plaything of the Zionist project and its base of aggression. Number 16. Hamas affirms that its conflict is with the Zionist project, not with the Jews, because of their religion. Hamas, like that it's not with the Jews because of their religion. Hamas does not wage a struggle against the Jews because they are Jewish, but wages a struggle against the Zionists who occupy Palestine. Yet, it is the Zionists who constantly identify Judaism and the Jews with their own colonial project and illegal entity. You see, my that's very clear nails it. And the point is that that's why a lot of even Jews will believe that's the reality, which means they're manipulated by Zionism and not bad because they're Jews. Number 17, Hamas rejects the persecution of any human being. And by the way, you don't have to believe they mean these things, but just realize the only point we're making is they're out in the world saying, this is what this says. It really doesn't say any of that. It's easy to prove. Look it up anywhere you want. This is the reality. Hamas rejects the persecution of any human being or the undermining of his or her rights on nationalist, religious, or sectarian grounds. This is why we could prove that there are other there's more than just Muslims in Gaza, which is the truth. And nobody wants the same, like we've talked about with the idea of Syria or Iraq. There's, there are Christians, most of which have been bombed by Israel. Kind of different than what we're told, right? But it says Hamas is of the view that the Jewish problem anti-Semitism, and the persecution of Jews are phenomena fundamentally linked to European history and not to the history of the Arabs and the Muslims to their or to their heritage. When they reference the, what they say, the Jewish problem, anti-Semitism, they're talking about what they're presenting as what's happening, right? The attacks on Jews, what they're saying is it's linked to European history, in their opinion, and not to the history of Arabs and Muslims to their heritage. So they're saying it's not, we're, we're not responsible for that. We're not the ones doing that. The Zionist movement, which was able, with the help of Western powers, to occupy Palestine is the most dangerous form of settlement occupation, which has already disappeared from much of the world and much disappeared from Palestine. It's pretty damn simple, right? So as these people read these things and are just blindly believing what they're told, oh yeah, and that was the point. What do you, what do you think? Do you think they're talking about overtaking the United States? Oh, weird. Oh, there's not a single mention of the United States in here. What about Britain? As they said, Britain too, right? Oh, weird. Oh, well, they do a British mandate. That's the only time. It, uh, let me see, actually. Let me do British. British mandate document. That's the Balfour Declaration. People still pretend isn't true. I know it's not in here, by the way. I'm just trying to see what these examples are. That's weird. It only shows up the one time. Anyway, it's not there. How about how about uh, kill kill them all? Or how about just the word kill? Oh, guess what? The word kill is not even in there. How does that make sense? How can they read such blatant lies and get away with it as a group that calls themselves facts for peace? Watch it again. 
losses as possible on the Jews. Nope. Kill them one by one. Nope. And don't leave even one. Nope. Uh, In fact, most of these you can align very clearly with the Zionist mentality. I mean, like the stated on the record conversations about Palestinians. Oh my God. This shit's like scarier than a horror movie. The day will come when we will rule over the United States. Like, what? think about how stupid that is. Do you really think that when this was created as a as a, a resistance group in, inside of an occupied territory, or rather the all of occupied Palestine, that they built on the envision that they would take over this country on the other side of the world? Like, that's, this is Israel projecting the most naive, childish, it's just like the game of walking in and pointing at a calendar and saying, this, is, this proves ter terrorism. Apparently, they're just this bad at propaganda. I don't know how they ever got in this position. Because what they're really doing is framing it as, well, again, it speaks to how dumb they think we are. That we're going to hear, they want to take over the United States, and that's all we need to hear. Oh, my God, kill them all. And yet, you can so easily prove it's not true. Just mind-blowing. Now, here is an Israeli diplomat. Oh, this, this is actually very interesting. This was on November 8th, 2023. Israeli diplomat pressured U.S. college to drop course on apartheid debate. Like, th why doesn't that alarm people? An Israeli member, I mean, a member of the Israeli government, a diplomat, is pressuring a United States college to basically try to change their course, their, their curriculum. Why in the world does an Israeli politician have any say, influence, or even care about U.S. curriculum? If this was an Iranian, would that bother you? Of course, it probably would. If it was a Russian, of course it would. How about if it was a German? It probably may not, it may not bother you, but you'd be like, that doesn't make sense. Why are there German politicians telling our schools what they can and can't do? This is what's interesting. Is every other circumstance, it, at the very least, we'd be like, that's weird. But when this happens, you're a racist if you call it out and everyone gets quiet. Well, that's not really working anymore. You know why they did this, guys? And by the way, the point is they, they stood up for academic freedom. So even the colleges are pushing back at this point. But you know why? Because it's an apartheid state. Because they are so desperate to hide what's going on right now because they're on full display that they're attacking people. Even people that have their back in most senses, like the UN or France or anybody. But in case you forgot, every single person that we usually are told to look to to decide these things have long ago told you that it is an apartheid state. 2021, Human Rights Watch, a threshold crossed. Crimes of apartheid. Amnesty International, Israel's apartheid against Palestinians. Betselem, an Israeli human rights group. The regime of Jewish supremacy from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. This is apartheid. It's an Israeli platform. But yet they're threatening schools. This is obvious that they've lost control of this. Now, let's talk about the section we were going to get into yesterday about the legalities, the idea of genocide, and the reality of the right to self-defense. Rachel Swindon points out this great clip. Now, this is actually interesting, because this is Mark Lamont, who was formerly with CNN, you know, until he had any kind of concern or compassion for Palestinians, 
right? How dare he say something that does not mean genocide, that simply argues that they should have the right to self-determination, that then got spun into some idea that he's an anti-Semite, and so he got removed from his position. Well, now he's on Al Jazeera, which is probably to them going, we knew it, (laughs) which reality, all it means is here's somebody that will let him say what he believes. Clearly, he believed it before he went to this platform. So at least in this topic, it speaks to the allowance of Al Jazeera, not the manipulation of it. I don't trust any of these platforms. At the end of the day, at least they let him have this conversation. So here he is speaking with an Israeli representative. Listen to what he has to say. That there's collateral damage in all war and that a body of international laws, which you still haven't named any, um, say that collateral damage is permissible within war. I agree that collateral damage is permissible within war. Again, that's not in dispute. What's in dispute is whether civilians can be deemed su- sufficient uh, collateral damage or whether civilians can be uh, within the realm of, of the target if it's avoidable. Targeting a refugee camp, Jabali refugee camp, is not an example of targeting Hamas and there's just a few casualties. Targeting a refugee camp where there are children, targeting hospitals and mosques and churches are all direct violations of international law, despite right. the fact that you keep saying that it isn't. And, and, we- and again, the point is whether or not there are human shields there. Despite the fact that nobody's ever proven that that's happening or has happened, even the UN, the point is, regardless, it's a crime. They just claim otherwise. It's wild. And that's my point about how these people in positions of power are towing that line, sort of like they did during COVID-19. We need to begin to realize these people are not on your side, not Trump, not Biden, not the government. You are on your side. We, as individual people, are on your side. Not always, but the point is that they're definitely not. That's how we have to realize. Now I'm going to give it a second, as it seems the stream is dropping out to let this come back before we start playing it again. But yeah, it's it's important to understand that. I I really strongly believe that the the paradigm, the savior complex, is always always used to drive us into a position of control. I think. I mean, I, I really believe that most people are coming around to that point. And so what we're dealing with here is a situation where we are watching them murder civilians in real time. And even, again, like let's even take for a second that they there was some kind of an allowance that says, okay, well, if they've got human shields or enough of them or whatever, that somehow you're allowed to. Okay, well, then going forward, all that really does, and this is exactly why it's not the reality, because all that does is then create the allowance to bomb any of them, any hospital, any medic, any ambulance under the guise or the argument that they use them. Well, are you stopping to verify that? Of course not. Let me know in the chat if you guys can hear me. (laughs) I got them. I got the majority of the important parts in. We'll see if we lose the stream here. Uh, Zionism is racism. Israel cannot be both. Israel is either a racist Jewish state or it's a democratic state for everybody. And that's what I would like Israel to be. I'd like a democratic solution, one state with equal rights for um, uh, all its inhabitants. Uh, Your organization, Human Rights Watch, issued a report last year uh, about Israel Mm -hmm. and the conclusion was it is an apartheid state. And there are four major 
human rights groups in the last two years who issued similar reports reached the same conclusion. Israel mm -hmm. is an apartheid state. So apartheid is racism. Apartheid is discrimination. But Israel is the only member of the United Nations that I know which is officially racist. And I say this because of the uh, July 2018 nation-state law, which says mm. the Jews have a unique, unique right to self-determination mm -hmm. in Israel. Unique <laughs> means exclusive. Yes. It means Arabs have no right to self-determination. Mm -hmm. It means even if Arabs became a majority, mm -hmm. they would still have no right to self-determination. Mm. So but most certainly Zionism is a, um, is a racist ideology mm -hmm. and it is largely responsible for the Anakba that has unfolded throughout the last century and continues today. All right. Well, let me know in the chat going forward. It seems like you guys can still hear me. I'm getting the indication where usually this starts to chop out and get robot and whatever else happens. So I'm going to keep going. Let me know immediately in the chat if you start to lose what I'm saying audio-wise. And I'll, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but at least I'll try something. So as long as you can hear me now, it looks like we have like one bar at the moment for per stream yard. So we'll, we'll see, but just somebody be on the, on the, on the trigger and just let me know the moment you see something weird going on. So back to his clip. The refugee camp is not an example of targeting Hamas. And there's just a few casualties targeting a refugee camp where there are children targeting hospitals and mosques and churches are all direct violations of international law, despite the fact that you keep saying that it isn't. And, and we can move on because I don't, I, I, again, I, there are lots of things I want to no, get No, 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 let's not move on. No, let's not, okay, for sure. let's not, let's not move on. Let's, let's, no, let's not move okay, on. Fine. Let's stay right let's, there. Let's, 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 tell me, tell me which hospital, tell me which hospital that Israel has targeted. Really? Like, this is what I don't understand about what they're doing. Is he of the opinion that Israel hasn't bombed a hospital? Or is he just knowingly lying as they literally drop leaflets that say we're going to do that? Or that they tell people, or Amnesty International has reported of exactly that, of many circumstances. Or the Al-Ali hospital where they pretended it was Hamas, but literally tweeted that they bombed it. And had told people they were going to bomb it. Or the Al-Quds hospital. Or the Indonesian hospital. Or the Al-Shifa hospital. All of these we can literally prove, even according to corporate media, that they have been bombing them. And yeah, and this, it's just, it, maybe it's just meant to be so convoluted that people just stop paying attention. Maybe that's just the last desperate move. I don't know. But that's a weird thing from somebody like this. Not okay, fine. Let's stay right let's, there. Let's, let's, let's... Tell me, tell me which hospital, tell me which hospital that Israel has targeted. Tell me which one. You said Israel targets hospitals. The only hospital uh, that uh, got targeted uh, so far uh, in this uh, war uh, uh, was targeted by Islamic Jihad. Okay. Okay. And he's talking about the Ali hospital, which by the way, we can literally prove was Israel. It's really embarrassing. They keep towing these lines, but it's like the things they do everywhere else, right? They're raping women in, in, in Ukraine. Oh, but then it gets literally admitted to be a lie. I did it because I was trying to raise support and she gets fired. And then a week later, the, the story keeps going and people go on the news and they say, but they're raping women and with their, they're giving them Viagra. It just keeps going. Most of which people know they're lying. It's, this is a game for these people, which that, that may, should make you sick playing with people's lives. Don't tell me about, and, and by the well, way, is that a question? I'm happy to answer it. It's been proven. It's been proven. 
It's been proven with certainty, it's been proven with certainty that the headquarters of Hamas is under the Al-Shifa <laughs> hospital in Gaza City. Now, you know what happened a couple of days We're ago? Proven by Hamas let, had a big... So let, so let me, hold on. Mark, I'm not, I, are you going to let me finish? I, I, can't allow you to, I, I cannot allow you to, name, to say 15 things that are unfactual and not be challenged on them. I'm happy to let you talk, but I, I'm going to ask clarifying questions. You're going to tell me what's factual? Mark, I spent five years of my life studying this, living it. What was the last time, was the last time you were in Gaza, Mark? Uh, when was the last time you were in Gaza? Uh, 18 months ago. When, when okay. was the last time you were in Gaza? Um... Uh, a few a few years ago. Okay. Oh, you're so ridiculously embarrassed right now. Tried to get a little gotcha moment there. Turns out you're ridiculous. You're a liar. And even he has more. Like, the idea is he thought somehow it was going to mean that he was more in the know because he was there sooner than the other guy was, which is just a dumb argument anyway. But then he got made look like a fool because he Mark had been there before sooner, or I guess more recent than he had. But the point overall is he's floating this narrative about the Al-Shifa hospital, which is what they do. It's been proven. Well, that's that's Washington Post says. Why? Because that's what Israel says. It's been reported ad nauseum forever. And this, this conversation, this topic more than anything else has gone that way. And it's starting to break apart right now. But this is what, and this is what I love about people like this that are willing to call them out for it. I just want to hear that again because that's hilarious. This guy got embarrassed big time. Hamas is under the Al-Shifa hospital in Gaza City. Now, you know what happened a couple of days We're ago? Proven by Hamas had a big... So let, so let me, hold on. Mark, I'm not, I, are you going to let me finish? I, I, can't allow you to, I, I cannot allow you to name, to say 15 things that are unfactual and not be challenged on them. I'm happy to let you talk, but I, I'm going to ask clarifying questions. You're going to tell me what's factual? Mark, I spent five years of my life studying this, living it. How, what was the last time? What was the last time you were in Gaza, Mark? Uh, what was the last time you were in Gaza? Uh, 18 months ago. <laughs> what was the last time you were in Gaza? Um... Uh, a few a few years ago. Okay, so you said Al Shifa Hospital has been proven Hamas headquarters. What independent yes. uh, uh, reference? What source? What investigation has proven that? Who has proven that it's an Al Shifa Hospital? Since it's been a proven fact, who proved it? So now we're going to get into this basic like Holocaust denying idea that, that evidence that Israel has shown is not valid. I mean, is that what you're doing? Do you, no, do you deny that no, people no, were no, raped? No, in, in, no, that, I mean, that every, are you going to Everybody that challenges you is not doing Holocaust denial. That's, that's the best you can do. You're racist. Oh, and then he goes on to say, you're going to deny that the people were raped? Yeah, I am, actually, because there's no evidence of it. I'm not going to say it's not possible, but I'm going to say right now we can't prove that. So if you float that that's a fact, you're being dishonest. And he knows that. He got embarrassed. He's lying. The point is, at the end of the day, all you can do is go, you're a racist. There's one more point. Yeah, when was the last time you were in Gaza? Oh, that's right. I just wanted to give Mar him a shout out in general. He didn't even He didn't even stop. Most everybody, maybe even myself, quite frankly, would be wanting to go, like, to call that out even more. Right. When he goes, when's the last time you were there? And he says 18 months. And he goes, we owe oh, two years. He doesn't stop and go, oh, OK. Like he just goes right past it. Good on him. That's that deserves respect because that he could have gone way further than that. And he but he knows it speaks for itself. This guy's a fool. And he just got called out because he's trying to make this guy look wrong. And at the end of the day, I'm talking about the guy, the Israeli representative. The, the bottom line is when he asked him, what evidence do you have? You're a racist. How that works. Now, this person just writes far too often Israeli sources are accepted as fact when in fact they're, you know, not his, his, his statement is in fact they're ridiculous. The point is, though, whether they're ridiculous or not, we've seen this.
in most cases, they're just blindly accepted, just like the reports and the images were shown, like the 40 minute babies or the AI images of burned children or the dumpster full of Hamas members that were burned that they then lie about and say, were, I mean, over and over, this is just like the Ukraine war 2.0. They're lying about everything. And again, for this, just to sh- bring your mind back to this, what we're going to talk about, here is the Dutch diplomats, or rather the attaches report where they're telling you that they got, that Israel is dis- being indiscriminate with their bombing and targeting civilians. Not that we need that report, seeing as how Amnesty has already done their own independent investigation on the 20th, as I already showed you, only focusing from the 7th to the 12th of October. And they, in five cases, in each one of them, Israeli attacks violated international law. And they, and they do so by failing to take feasible precautions to spare civilians or by carrying out indiscriminate attacks that fail to distinguish between civilians or military, or also all three of these happened simply by carrying out attacks directed against civilian objects. Every one of these has been proven. You can re- I've gone over this in depth in the past. If you haven't seen it, it'll be included. Read it. It's scathing. They did this. They know they did this. The world sees it. Now, another example, just in case you were still going, maybe that's not true. Maybe they won't target civilians. Well, here is where Israel knowing the world sees them doing this to civilians, threatens the civilians of Lebanon. That's what just happened. This is on the 3rd to 12th. IDF vows to restore security in the north, warns Hezbollah. Lebanese leadership will pay. That's the title from Times of Israel. Here's what it says. Literally the quote from, from uh, um, Yo, uh, Yoav Gallant, defense minister, says, Lebanese citizens will pay the price of this lawlessness and the decision of Hezbollah to be the protector of ISIS. <laughs> That's just, This is comical how dumb this is now. Not even remotely the case, the protector of ISIS. My God, it's just so embarrassing. But the only people that will believe that are going to be people stuck in the paradigm somewhere far into the west of the world. That's how this is going to work. Because it's not true. It's painfully obvious who has funded, created, armed, and supported ISIS right to this very moment and who has actually stood up to fight them. Pretty much all the people they're pointing at as bad guys are the ones that actually fought this Western proxy army. But what is he saying there? Now, of course, you could argue that what he means is the way the West will interpret it, that they'll just pay the price by what their government puts them into. But ultimately, even that suggests that that means they're going to suffer because of what Israel does because of what they're doing. But what is he doing? He's not saying the government. He's saying the citizens, the civilians. And then to make it even more specific, he literally says, What we're doing in Gaza, we can do in Beirut. Guys, they they don't care. There's no way you misunderstand that. The indiscriminate carpet bombing destruction, aiming at destruction, not accuracy, we can do that in Beirut too. So now, read this again with with that context. Lebanese citizens will pay the price of this lawlessness. Right, so we will do the same thing if we're given the opportunity. These are the, I mean, if you've ever seen an example of, of whatever you want to frame the bad guy or whatever else, which I always try to avoid even getting into, it's wildly subjective. It's whoever thinks like this and acts like this. That can embody whatever you want it to, but an individual or a government that knowingly murders civilians for their interest and pretends they're saving them is a, I mean, the worst of the worst. And I've said that many times, whoever that may be, wherever they are, horrifyingly bad. And now they're threatening all of the citizens of Beirut. Well, Captain Allen here says he's a lawyer and is 
breaking down the idea of why this isn't a crime. So let's read this really quickly. He says, I'm a lawyer. Do what to know what is really meant by a proportionate response. I'm assuming he meant, do you want to know under international law? Then read on. Now, look, people make mistakes on tweets, but it's a lawyer. Kind of feels odd that they would make a mistake in the very first, so second sentence, actually. But it says, and feel free to ask questions. Under international humanitarian law, proportionality, which we were briefly pointing out before, requires that any degree of damage up to and including death to civilians not be excessive in relation to the military advantage anticipated form from a strike against a military target. Now, even this, in my opinion, is a little bit of a manipulation of the overall point. The idea that you can somehow pretend that as long as proportional that you can kill civilians is just not true. That would then, you could then argue that as long as you kill enough of the bad guys too, that if you kill a million civilians, then it's okay. Well, see, that's actually not the reality, but the point is the kind of living, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, nat the, that's not, not nat natural law. What is it called? The common law, as it, as it were, of the U.S. government and the way they act, killing 500,000 Iraqi children and saying it's worth it sort of puts that out of the world as the standard, even though they pretend otherwise. So in that point, then it's arguably what they've allowed to happen and what they do. But the idea that civilians are part of warfare is the, uh, it's the diametric opposite of the reality, as far as I've read, and I understand it. I'm not a lawyer. And just because he is does not therefore mean he knows more or is right. But usually would suggest that, yeah. But it says, we are going to break that down, he says. So everyone understands what exactly that means. However, first, you should be aware that if it is if that it is a misnomer that any time Palestinian civilians die after an Israeli strike, it's automatically evidence of a war crime. Now, I would agree with that, but the argument is obviously civilians are off limits in regard to war. So when you are killing predominantly civilians, 10, 11,000 plus, 5,000 plus children, and we have yet to see a single Hamas member, it's pretty easy to see the lack of proportionality. Just my thought. But it says it is automatically evidence of, or say this is false, he says. The law does not work that way. Simply. And unfortunately, the international rules of law recognize that civilians are often killed during war. Well, they recognize that it can happen, but in every sense, it's always been repudiated. It's not, you never, something we will offer or allow. Or, I mean, think about the absurdity of pretending that one child is too many in COVID land. But now it's like, well, you know, 500,000, you know, it's worth it. It's all part of war. Is it? It says those are, deaths are not actually indicative of war crime. Well, that's not even accurate, right? Like saying it depends on the circumstances, most definitely. Instead, it says the legal test for proportionality requires that each individual strike be looked at with a particular balancing of analysis. Now, here's the point. You can literally prove they're not doing that based off a retroactive view of the destruction of entire residential blocks. or based off their own statements. My point, though, is that this just doesn't matter to these people. They can literally tell you they want to murder them all, turn it into a parking lot. And this is some kind of analytical breakdown based on what he Netanyahu will say on CNN. It's just that ridiculous. It's willful ignorance. First, he says, here is a hard and fast, fast rule. The strike must be intended to target military objects. So this is my point about the U.S. government always going to scream the word freedom. That's how you're trying to project your intent. We're fighting bad guys and terror and fighting for freedom. And then literally do the opposite. 
So they pretend that they all, we just kind of tripped on our shoelaces and killed all those people. My bad. That's assuming we even notice that it's happening. It says, it is therefore an unlawful war crime to strike with the intent of targeting civilians. Well, I actually agree, because it is. So are we, is this, this lawyer unaware of the Amnesty Human Rights Watch, or, you, you know, all of them, their investigations proving that they are targeting them, or the attache diplomat, or rather uh, Dutch memo that t- shows that they are targeting civilians, or the fact that they're literally openly threatening civilians, and I guess none of this matters. But it says, now let's get a little technical, he says. Under the first additional protocol of the Geneva Convention to 1977, we know that when Hamas uses its own population as human shields, which we don't know because it's not been proven, and even the UN didn't find evidence of it, either by using them as shields themselves to shield their weapons or depots, Hamas has, under national law, turned them into military targets. That's not true. Guys, it's just not true. The bottom line is that military, when people are using them as human shields, That is where this part comes into play. The argument that you can just bomb them because they've taken them is the, it's not, nowhere in history have we argued that's the case. What it is, is that you're then obligated to do everything within your power to try not to hurt those people, which would include a ground invasion to try to take them out. Simply going, well, they've got a hostage. Let's bomb the whole building or bomb the entire refugee camp. Guys, I mean, I frankly find it insulting that this lawyer would even try to make this argument. Now, it goes forward to say that means that when Hamas places weapon caches under the schools and hospitals, they've made each of those targets. Well, have you seen the evidence of that? I haven't. I've seen claims. I've seen weird pictures of some guns in a corner that we can't prove where they came from, whose they are, or if it's even in the building they bombed. But I guess that doesn't matter to this lawyer. So it has been well known for many years that Hamas purposely placed its headquarters in the Al-Shifa, and here we go. Right. So now we're back into just towing the lines of what Israel claims they can prove, even though you ask, show me the evidence. You're a racist. So I think that's ultimately I mean, I didn't want to go past two hours. We're about 15 minutes out. He goes on for a lot longer, but that's ultimately the point I want to get at. You can read the rest for yourself. Here's what I said. Oh, and I just cited the point he talks about intent. I said, therefore, and this is the quote he put up, un, an unlawful war crime to strike with the intent of targeting civilians, which we've proven per Amnesty International, per their own statements, and, you know, objective reality, I think, without any military objective whatsoever. So, I don't know, for example, a journalist on the border of Lebanon, surrounded by other journalists, which even Reuters has now admitted was an Israeli strike. I guess he just missed that one. Or, I don't know, the other UN buildings they bombed? 10,000 civilians? I mean, come on. We're, any point here we start to recognize this? But I said, I agree. And Amnesty International's own investigation found that Israel had done this. Also, UN facilities. And this just this image. that And there's a hell of a lot more than just these eight. Netanyahu saying we'll turn it into an island of ruins. Daniel Hagari saying focus is on destruction, on accuracy. That's that Right there is all you need. Focus is on destruction, on accuracy. But then you can claim that you claim they're doing everything in their power to not. Those two things don't make sense together. But Nakba, wipe out their families. I mean, it's everywhere. Animal people. So here's a video someone put together of those exact statements from a lot of them. Show this video to anyone saying Israel tries not to kill civilians. את אשר עשה לך מעמלק נצטווינו אנו זוכרים ואנו נלחמים 
It's an entire nation out there that is responsible. It's not true. This rhetoric about civilians not aware, not, aware, not involved, it's absolutely not true. And Hushmal. Right, so every time, as he said himself, there are no innocent people. We've heard that from them many times. So how can you say that none of them are innocent, but then go on to pretend that you're doing everything you can to not hurt the people that aren't Hamas? You literally just said they're all terrorists. So that's the point. They go, yeah, we'll do our best to not hurt civilians. In their mind, they're going, but there's no civilians, so we're okay. Guys, that's actually what's happening. In Mazon, in Maim, in Delik, very puzzled by the constant uh, concern which the world is showing for the Palestinian people and is actually showing for these horrible, inhuman animals who have done the worst atrocities that this century has seen. <laughs> We will eliminate everything. Human rights lawyers around the world have made very, that, that is right there, intent. Very clear. He says, I will not equate them with animals because that is an insult to animals. When somebody puts it to them about why there are people calling Palestinians, not Hamas, Palestinians, animals. And that's his response. It's unbridled hatred and bigotry. This is what the Ben Shapiro's of the world support. Remember, this is the guy, the oldest living reservist. He is part of the Lehigh terrorist Zionist organization. And again, they called themselves terrorists at the time. Not a joke. That stems from the Ergun party, same point, who twice tried to align themselves with Nazi Germany. You can look this up on Wikipedia. That is a founding entity of Zionism. Does that make any sense with what they're saying today? As people like Ruben calling people Nazis for supporting Palestine? Not Hamas, but Palestine as this origin point about Zionism and the origin of the of the state of Israel twice tried to align themselves with the actual Nazis and currently fund Nazis in Ukraine? Come on, guys. <laughs> Enter his house and shoot. Civilians. God will become a place where no human can exist. The head of Israeli National Security Council. But, you know, they're they're doing their best to avoid civilians, right? Right. So this is what Israel is saying. All the people in the north, all Al-Shifa, all the rest, everybody in in the north who is in hospitals, in or, you know, unable to move. Both the children, the people that are already bombed, people that are dying of dehydration, dying of starvation are terrorists because they're unable to move. And the UN and others have made it very clear, we cannot move these people. 
but they just deem them terrorists because they don't care. Invest, it says, invest this energy in one thing, erasing all of Gaza from the face of the earth. Israeli Knesset member. The Gazan monsters will fly to the southern fence and try to enter Egyptian territory or they will die. Gaza should be erased. Israeli Knesset member. It's part of their part of their Congress, their government. All of this is on the record, guys. It's staggering. And you really have people that either don't know this or are seeing this and secretly agreeing with it and willing to go out and lie and pretend that there is no intent. There is no justifiable reason that they are like proof that this is genocide. I've never seen a more vivid, obvious example of genocide in my life. Not in history, never. This is ridiculous. And I mean that. Like, I really do mean that. Someone's going to freak out. Like, the point is, throughout history, we, I have, even if you can compare this to any historical event, I personally have never seen this many members of the government, of people involved, standing up and proudly making these arguments. It's mind-blowing to me. Nuking Gaza is an option. Use doomsday weapons. Annihilate Gaza now, he says. And references Dresden, a historical genocide. Got 18,000 tons of bombs on Gaza. The land is theirs, not Gaza. Interesting. So let's see what uh, Doom just sent me. <clears throat> so it's pretty damn obvious what these people want to do. <laughs> just deep so he, this says, wow. Okay, we have another example of a deleted tweet here. IDF deletes Gaza's Al-Shifa hospital video. This word it said, no cuts, no edits, just the undeniable truth. Watch as Jonathan Conricus exposes the countless Hamas weapons IDF troops have uncovered. Of course, like, you know, easy it is to just bring some weapons in after they've kept everybody out for hours of the day. Like, I mean, I'm not saying we know that, but why would anybody honest ask? So here's the point. They put this out and then delete it. So I'm sure I'll be following up tomorrow with whatever they claim is going on here. I just wanted to get out early with the discussion today so we really do see that these, whatever they might point out beneath this area was built by Israel in 1983. I find that to be just absurdly stupid. That's interesting. Thank you, Doom, for sharing that. So, so either it wasn't undeniable or truth or both. God, this is just bad, man. I just, I swear every time I'm like, do they want this to be the way it goes? And we should, you know, always ask these questions. Who knows? Don't just assume that because it starts to make sense, but we should ask it. Wow. Oh, here, let me put this on. Make sure we save that for the show. Okay. Going forward. 
Here is Dan Cohen. Israeli soldiers openly state that they've been given orders to ethnically cleanse and colonize Gaza. Of course, you'll never see this in mainstream media. It's in, it's in Israel, uh, Hebrew, so you can watch it for yourself. But this is what they're talking about. We will complete the mission we have been assigned. Conquer, expel, and settle. Hear that, BB? Like, this is open. Open. Now, Danielle Modas points out, uh, I, I, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing this. In, it's in French, but Gias uh, Divers is one of the most veteran lawyers in France who has just 10 days gathered an army of lawyers from all the countries of the world to prosecute Israel for its war crimes against Palestinians. He's promising the Israeli occupation with a dark fate and says to the Palestinians, you did not have anyone to defend you, but now you have an army to defend you in the international and national courts. I mean, these are some of the most prominent leading human rights lawyers in the world, and they've now all teamed up to stand up for Palestine. And what they're saying is very clear. Israeli acts in Gaza constitute crimes of genocide, says the leading French lawyer. You can read it for yourself. Lawyers and the Palestinian victims of, of the attacks on Gaza filed a complaint Monday with the ICC. The victims represented before the ICC. They, this is the lawyer we're talking about. And a four-person delegation. He says, the ICC is currently investigating the war crimes in a related investigation. The crime of genocide should also be included. Adding that forcing over 1 million people to be displaced and cutting access to water, energy, and food, and medicine indicates that Israel wants total annihilation of the population. That's not even getting into the stated intent. Just the, what they're doing is provable. He says, we are here for the protection of human rights and the delivery of justice. Good for them. My God. Let's not forget, by the way, a top UN official in New York has already stepped down because the, he, and he was citing genocide being allowed on Palestinians. He's, gone, he's been doing the tours, talking with people because, I mean, let's not forget, a member of the State Department, same thing. Member of the Knesset. They vote. People are stepping down because they're outraged. This is being allowed. Now, here is a the founder and president of the Kawab, uh, the Kawakibi Foundation, simply pointing out this person was saying, "How can someone like you write such great analysis, but be so wrong about what's going on in Gaza?" So he goes, "Okay, since you decided to ask me, I'll tell you why the same guy you praise for wonderful analysis also concludes, based on the facts and evidence, that Israel's committing genocide in Gaza." He says there are multiple definitions of genocide, but the most widely cited is the 2002 Rome Statutes, which establishes the International Criminal Court. Around 120 countries are signatories. Of course, notably, the United States government and Israel's government still refuse to sign it. Guys, we need to begin to see who these people are. And that does not to mean that everybody else is the good guys, but these are the standout ones in the direction of doing the things we're talking about today. He says, right off the bat, let's debunk some common misconceptions that, quote, genocide. You don't have to exterminate everyone for it to be genocide. Genocide is not a crime of body count, although body count matters. Genocide is a crime of intent. The bar for the crime of genocide is met when there's intent to destroy. Right. Like saying our, our, our focus is on destruction, not accuracy. Like that. Exactly like that. He says, in whole or part, a people destroy can manifest in many ways. Killing is one, but also inflicting upon them unlivable conditions, which has been going on in Gaza for decades now. Conditions calculated to bring about the group's destruction. Exactly. Since intent is key, let's focus on it. Normally, whoever commits genocide won't go out and say, hey, we'd like to wipe these people out. Normally, they'd hide their intent. And intent is typically the most difficult part to prove. 
He says, hold on to the word normally for a sec. He says, since intent is rarely explicit, the law allows for it to be inferred from broader context, including scale, systemic nature of the violence, chosen methods, chose choices of victims, and so on, evidence of cover-up. He says, all right, so let's for a second follow the inference route, right? It's, it, it is now very well documented that Israel systematically targeted hospitals, water tanks, solar panels, journalists, bakeries, fishing boats, schools, ambulances, resident, residential blocks, aid workers. Anybody dismissing that at this point is, shouldn't even be, don't take, they're not a serious person. He says, I don't have to go point by point because all of the above is very well documented and even captured live. It's also well documented. And again, this is not whether or not there's a justification. It's just, that's just in general, these things are protected. And it says, it also is well documented Israel's chosen bombs methods are indiscriminate, easily proven by the fact that 70% of the 12K dead are women, children, or elderly. If not, again, again, that in particular, but even more so than that, I don't see any evidence of Hamas members at all. It is well, and this is why they get into the argument that they claim that Hamas just wears casual clothing, which maybe they do, but they would be arguing that they had killed some had they had that opportunity to do so. It is also well documented that Israel cut off the food and water, all the things we've already talked about. He says, I know the typical U.S. reaction would be, but Hamas. To them, Hamas is hiding in water tanks and solar panels, right? But if this is about Hamas, someone explain why 150 plus Palestinian, including 40 plus children, have been killed in the West Bank, where there is no Hamas. Well, they've started to lie and say that that's influenced over there, but it's not. And you can prove this. Anyway, it says it's also well documented Israel's Ministry of Intel produced a multi-stage plan for inflicting mass suffering on the population of Gaza to force them off their land into the Sinai Desert, which we've talked about. Israeli Intelligence Ministry documented revealed by, this is the, uh, looks like an Israeli outlet, and, and 972 shows how policy proposals for forced population transfer to Gaza are reaching official decisions. We've talked about the decisive plan in 2017, and the leaked document will show you again in a minute, which talks about the same, which is literally what's happening right now. And he says, it's also uncontroversial that Israel's leaders have repeatedly and systematically used language and references to make it clear that everyone in Gaza, not only Hamas, is being targeted. It's blatant. Now, okay, this is, it's okay. So now that we've got the speech rhetoric of Israel's leadership, we can drop the pretense that we have to infer, right? There's so much documented. Remember, he told you to hold on to that word normally. He says, there are several folks who have been collecting these statements, and this is a great little montage here, of intent. One of them is Abu Bakar Hussein, who's updating a list daily and has it available for download as well. Not everything in this list is from politicians or leadership, but a lot of it is. And I believe I've already retweeted that. Stupid Twitter today. Twitter brings you back to the top every time. But it says, if you can also look at the replies under the tweet, I believe others, including a couple of other people, have also included uh, collecting official statements and so on. It says, Craig Moheber, this was the UN member we just talked about, for the UN for 30 years plus, until recently, the director of UN High Commissioner for Human Rights in the New York office. Listen to him explain it. And we already did. Basically telling you the same exact thing we're talking about. This is a textbook genocide. He says, but now that we're citing experts, let's mention how many actual genocide scholars have assessed that Israel is committing the crime of genocide. Again, there's so much of this that I can't fit it all in one thread. Some are under this tweet. 
and you can, and the point is it's unreal. And we, well, I'm actually have a clip from the UN repertoire in a moment telling you that this is an example, like a textbook genocide. But it says an important voice has been, and this is, I believe, the one we're talking about. Oh, no, actually, it's not. Genocide researcher and expert, who in both an academic expert on genocide and a survivor of genocide. She's calling this genocide. Now, in the interest of time, it's you, you get the je- obvious point by now. <clears throat> There's only a few more in general anyway. Basically, just making it clear that the experts are calling this out, that obviously the intent is there. It's blatant. Now, one point I, was, I wasn't even going to include, but I feel like I'm, I'm going to go back and point this out real quickly because it's funny. I didn't even respond to it because this is how bad this all is today. Look at this. Per- so this, I, I literally just said the intent, right? That it's obvious. The intent is clear. And literally post their statements, many of which was included there. But he goes, it does not appear that any of your quotes come from an attorney who approve a particular strike on anyone who carried it out. Hard to imagine then who you think that establishes their intent. Or are you just emoting? <laughs> just not even worth the time. Just ridiculous. Point is, do we really need to even debate these people? It's obvious, guys. The intent, according to lawyers everywhere, UN, leading examples around the world are all calling this clear. The intent is clear, which is why, by the way, and this is a small, quick example about why Abbas, from the perspective of the West Bank and Gaza, or the PA in general, is not on the side of Palestine. Israel Army Chief says that Mohammed Abbas, the Palestinian Authority president, quote, works every day to prevent demonstrations against the genocide. Right? Th- these, it's, this, is, this is why it, even the U.S. clearly wants these people to take control afterward. But the point is, they're not on the side of, what, of, of freedom. Now, with the Canary Mission post this, this back and forth, I'll just play the beginning of it, of a professor who I'm not pretending to support. I'm sure she's all full of woke nonsense. <clears throat> but as this... Again, this guy that she's talking to, I swear, we've all had some kind of argument with somebody like this, just like this. Somebody who just is so, like, almost so ramped up and is trying to act like he's calm and is so clearly not ready to have a conversation. It's just, we've all dealt with this. And they're, they, they're the least informed person in the room, but they're the ones screaming the most. They're everywhere. My point, though, is the idea now, not just about intent, but the idea of self-defense and what this actually means and whether or not Hamas had a legal right to do what they did before the crimes were committed. And now that there's been a whole lot of doubt placed on who committed those crimes, we should include that too. But the original act was legally protected per the Geneva Conventions. But listen to this guy who wants you to believe he knows more than anybody. Explaining, will you condemn terrorism? You're a professor here. And again, the idea that you need to condemn terrorism is just dumb. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's a go- he's trying to create a gotcha moment. You won't do it. Okay, but do you think the Hamas attack was terrorism to begin with? What's that? Do you think the Hamas attack was terrorism to begin with? <laughs> they flew out on hang gliders and killed hundreds and thousands of people. And you won't condemn it. This wasn't a military operation. It was to target and kill as many civilians as possible. Oh, because he knows, right? Because he's that informed. He must know Hamas members have told him that, right? I just, I can't stand people that act like they're so informed when all they're doing is just vomiting whatever they heard on whatever platform they listened to without any actual due diligence because let's realize it was a military operation even if they are perceived as terrorists even if they call themselves terrorists they are palestinians on behalf of the palestinian resistance whatever their origin whatever you think whoever actually supports them in an occupied territory because that's where they live who acted as an occupied territory 
with armed rebellion and aimed at military targets, which you can prove. It's easy to prove. Now, whether or not they're responsible for the hostages being killed is another conversation we should have. But I can prove that they took people that were civilians. So right there, those are crimes. And people responsible for that should be held accountable. Many of them have been released, and they said they were treated fairly, and they had everything they needed. It's a weird difference, isn't it? And I'll get into that one in a second. But the ultimate overall point, and I should actually point out that I know this does not condone it or justify it for me. I think it's not a fair excuse. But they argue that even those individual, in some cases, the civilians in, in Israel are considered fair targets because, not to kill, not that's not what they're saying, but in regard to the military targets to tag, capture, in regard to trying to get their, their prisoners back because they're part of the illegal occupation. Now, there's an argument to be made there. I don't agree with it just because I don't think we should ever make a line where civilians are fair targets. That's just something, that, that's the whole thing we're saying about the whole situation in reverse. But I just think it's important to realize. Occupied territory, that's a fact. Geneva Conventions give them the right to armed rebellion. So when they pushed in, that was a military operation. But people like this screeching about terrorism because Israel said they won't hear anything you have to say. If she responded with that, he would probably scream at her. And on top of that, the point is that everybody there is just trying to get her to say what they want her to say. It's, it's, it's you know, you're surrounding somebody. It's not a conversation. Hundreds and then of about people? It. Hundreds and thousands. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. It keeps sorry. going up every hour, so I don't know what the exact... No, no, it really doesn't. Because this this number, this is way past when this first started. So what he said there is hundreds of thousands. No, it was... They argued it was 1,400. That's now gone down to 1,200. Most of those are IDF members, as we can now prove. But you see, this guy knows none of this or doesn't care. It's going up every hour, so I don't know what the exact... Hundreds of military operations was to target and kill as many civilians as possible. You've killed hundreds and then boast about it. Hundreds and thousands. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's going up every hour, so I don't know what the exact count is. He tried to lie, got caught, and tried to cover it up, or just didn't know. But the bottom line is it wasn't a target and kill operation per the fact that they didn't kill everybody and the fact that they let some go. I mean, these are just dumb arguments when you can prove the opposite. It doesn't mean they're all good guys. Maybe they're all terrorists. The point is, what you just said is an objective falsehood. Doesn't matter though. That you're, well, you condemn terrorism. You're on the mic. You're on camera. You're a professor. Will you condemn terrorism? I'm not. This is this conversation is it's not. It's a yes actually, or no question. It's not a yes or no question. This is. You think terrorism justified if it's against Jews? Is that what you're saying? You see what I mean? Like, what the hell is that? I mean, that clearly that's what he thinks, or maybe he's just trying to get her in a moment that makes that seem like that's the reality, or maybe she thinks that, but. That's there's nothing that kind of preceded that. And why do why does this person need to condemn terrorism? Are you suggesting that she's pro-terrorism? Is anybody pro-terrorism? Like it's just a really stupid thing that we're watching here. But people love this. They ate it up. So uh, so that's putting words in my mouth, as you know. I'm asking you to say yes or no, and you can't do it. Because you're a professor, you're smart enough to know this. Why can't you condemn terrorism? Well, listen. Don't give me some long answer. That means nothing. Say yes or no. Will you condemn terrorism? Well, that's just like a coercive way of trying it's to talk to me. Look, the point is, if she were to say, I condemn terrorism, he's then going to spin that into some point about her support for Palestine. That's what the whole, that's what this is meant to do. It's very transparent. The bottom line is they're wrong. They're wrong about the where this came from, how it started, the history of the situation. But these people are marching around in a very aggressive front, very, very confrontational. and challenging people that's how that game works these are the kind of people that israel is paying 250 dollars a person to protest on their behalf which then weirdly i heard that buses didn't show up for a lot of those people and they accused it of anti-semitism <laughs> 
So your people that you're paying to be there for you, you know, it's, it's just a weird game that gets played. But my point again, and this is from Al Jazeera, but you can find this anywhere. This is just the one that popped up. I had up last time. Palestinians have a legal right to armed struggle. This is not per Al Jazeera. It's literally in the Geneva Conventions, and it's an objective fact. Anybody who's honest will tell you that's the reality. And that's that work. That's the same point for Syrians. The same point for Iraqis, or anybody who's illegal illegally occupied. Lebanon, by the way, who Israel occupies their territory. Aaron Mate writes, if you are endorsing Israel's Gaza assault by declaring that Israel, quote, has the right to defend itself, then you're also endorsing the October 7th attack. If Israel can slaughter civilians in the name of defending itself, then Palestinians can too. They were ethnically cleansed in 1948 and have been occupied since 1967. Israel has refused to end the occupation and rejected the only diplomatic solution with international, including PLO, Hamas, and Arab states, support. An Israeli withdrawal from the West Bank and Gaza and a creation of a Palestinian state in that area, a huge compromise for Palestinians, which would be only 22% of their land, would be a, even from Palestinians' perspective, and many of them are ready to accept that. Israel has made it clear that's absolutely never going to happen. Not 1%, not 22%. Never. And this is easily proven, but then they stand up and say they won't let it happen. And the people that support them and who they pay say the same thing. On October 6th, Israeli forces and settlers had already killed 200 Palestinians this year alone, before the 7th, adding to a toll of tens of thousands since 1948. Occupied people have the right to resist military occupation. That's the same point. The right to armed struggle or armed rebellion. Israel had the right to defend itself on October 7th in regard to going against people that they feel were responsible in regard to Hamas, which is what they claimed. Not bombing where they may be, which would include your own hostages, your own prisoners, and civilians, which they knew, neither of which we can clearly tell they care about, not the prisoners or the Palestinians. But he said they had that right on the 7th as Palestinian militants attacked it. But it's not October 7th anymore. It's more than a month later. And it's amazing that we keep carrying that narrative that far afterward, as if they're still in the midst of defending themselves. And Israel has killed thousands of Palestinian civilians, including over 4,500 children. Israel has no right to commit mass murder in the territory it's illegally occupying. In fact, it removes that right. Occupiers do not have the right to defend their, don't have the right to defend their occupation. They only have the ob obligation to end it per international law, which also happens to be the best way that Israel could defend its long-term security, along with everybody else's who have just as much of a right to security and self-defense. The point, though, that he, he's kind of points at but doesn't go deeper on, the occupier has a legal obligation to the protection of the civilians with it. The argument being that if they're occupying the area, it's for some objective, either for their own benefit or to go after the, the, the military that controls it or the governments that control it. Not because they want to murder the people that live there, but see, that's what's happening today. The point would be that, okay, that if that ends up happening because of war, you have a legal obligation to keep the civilians safe. So when they uh, forego that, that responsibility, they then no longer have a right, even at the point they put out as the, the uh, belligerent occupier. The idea meaning that they would then have a right to some kind of attack in regard to their, the point is they, have, in every angle of international law, created the dynamic where what they're doing is not legally protected. 
They do not have the right to defend themselves when they're basically legally bombing themselves or a part of their own area because they're occupying this area. Not shouldn't legally be theirs, but it is. No, hold on. I think there was a. Oh, there's that, that video he also shared. I'll play that next. But Aaron also says, if you are, oh, oh, never mind. This was somebody commented this. Not in the same vein of thought here, but I wanted to include this because it was interesting. Don't forget this. And it looks like Jimmy Dore just caught wind of the whole oil part of this and put a show out. This is Richard claiming they staged the attack on the seventh, all about Gaza oil. Now let's let's not fall into these traps. I, it's very de- it's a, I, don't, I just don't understand. I, I think it's propaganda, but I understand why Americans more than anybody want to find like the one thing and make that everything. It's all about the oil. No, it's about the r- rare earth minerals. No, it's about the send the great reset. I mean, it's like it's probably all of those things, guys. They can all equally matter at the same time. I'm not making fun of Richard here. I'm just trying to make the point that we always weirdly want to make it about the one thing, you know? And what's interesting is this is, you guys remember this. We already talked about this. We talked about this like on the ninth, I think, right after this. This is the article we showed you from 2019, the unrealized potential of Palestinian oil and gas reserves. They discovered this in 2019 and it was, could generate hundreds of billions of dollars for development. Of course that matters. But quite frankly, I do not believe that's why this is happening. I believe this is far more about the genocidal intent that's always been there and the desire for far more control than just Gaza, which includes other countries around them, which is interesting how they then put that on everybody else. Hamas is going to march around and take other territories. No, clearly not. That's what you clearly and even stated on the record want, that you believe the greater Israel project is in your destiny. It's a prophecy, which includes places like Jordan and Egypt, but we won't talk about that. That's probably one of the reasons Egypt pushes back on this. In any case, back to the point about defending yourself. Ghassin Abusita, who is the doctor from London who is in Al-Shifa Hospital, is now pointing out that one in every 200 people out of 2.5 million people, half of which are children in Gaza, one in every 200 has been killed in 40 days. One in every 200. How in the world are we going to pretend that that's that many Hamas members? To them, they're all the same thing. Because they're not even trying to aim anywhere other than, well, I said that wrong. They're just not trying to aim. They're just bombing everybody, everywhere. It's grotesque. Now, here is a UN special rapporteur in regard to the international law and human rights. And here's what she says on the record. will clarify what is self-defense under international law and so that everyone can understand well there is not such a thing uh, that Israel could claim so um, in common language self-defense might be understood as the right to protect oneself but however article 51 of the UN Charter that Israel has invoked uh, is is not just the right to protect itself it's it's a very it's a self-defense under international law it's a legal term of art and means the right to wage a war now here's what's really interesting by the way and this is the point that i always make and it's it's i mean you should we should laugh about it but it almost it's it's not it's almost so grotesque that we shouldn't laugh the you the israel literally just accused the un of working for hamas right but doesn't stop them from calling on the un charter to make their argument just the peak of hypocrisy 
which Israel doesn't have. And this is consolidated jurisprudence of the Supreme Judicial Organ of the United Nations. Uh, um, and uh, I understand that practice, my, state practice might diverge, United States and Iraq, but the law remains the law. And what she's trying to point out is the same thing I was saying. And this people are getting far more comfortable in being able to say this right now, that like the point was, well, yeah, we, you know, what she just said basically was, yeah, you know, people like the U.S. violated the, the law in Iraq, and that kind of created that kind of static reality of what they do. But the law is the law, and they all broke the law. They're just above the law because they're so powerful. That's what that's the reality of the world. They're not fighting for freedom. Thank God people are finally finding the courage to say that. They're fighting for their own power at your expense while yelling the word freedom. And that goes for all of them. This is what we should follow. So um, the right of self-defense can be invoked when, uh, when a state is threatened um, uh, by another state, which is not the case. Israel right. has not claimed that that has been threatened by another state. Uh, it's, it's been threatened by, um, by an armed group qualify it the way you want, but it's an armed group within the occupied territory. Right. And frankly, even saying the war between Gaza and Israel is wrong because Gaza is not a standalone entity. It's right. part of the occupied territory. But so, in particular, the Israel cannot claim the right of self-defense uh, against a threat that emanate from the territory it occupies, right. uh, from a territory that is kept under belligerent occupation. And right. this is not only this exists in the jurisprudence of the ICJ uh, in general, it's also been said in the case of the occupied Palestinian territory. Right. Now, in regard to the belligerent occupier concept, as I understand it, it basically just means like that you've maintained this violent occupation I mean, it's ongoing. Like the argument sort of implies that you have to, right? Because you're in the midst and just, it just so happens it takes 75 years and we've always been fighting. And it's, so the point would be that it's not, you have had to do this, but that's my point that you would then be with to argue that you have the right to continue the violence. You have to then meet the obligations of keeping the civilians safe. So either way you spin this, they're violating every aspect of this, the UN, the human rights lawyers. I mean, there's no, and that's why that tweet is not even worth responding to. Because it's everywhere, guys. It's literally everyone. Those tweets like that, I think, are trying to sway the average person out there into thinking that this isn't happening. But, I mean, that's, that's a last desperate effort of a losing side. Now, let's not forget on top of all of that, that the very concept of Nakba itself, ethnic cleansing, which would include killing people, but doesn't have to, like the idea of ethnically cleansing a population through displacement, is very, which has been happening to Palestinians since the beginning, is, is a war crime. No way around it. So here we're staring at another. Uh, 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 this was um, Luke, Lukud Minister Avi uh, Ditcher from Israel, a member of the government, literally saying we're rolling out Nakba 2023. I mean, guys, they just don't care. Are, are, are the, so they're going to come back? Or are you literally displacing them out of Gaza as you place Israeli flags and bulldoze statues? And I mean, and say we're never going anywhere and then delete the tweet. Does anybody believe them? I mean, literally anybody other than people that have an interest in pretending to? As Dr. Strangelove says, when someone tells you what they're doing, you should listen. This was never about Hamas. It was about getting rid of the Palestinians once and for all. 
Israel opened the door for Hamas atrocity, so to use it as a pretext to finish Gaza. One of the possibilities, for sure. Seems like a likely one, but there's a lot of caveats and, and kind of asterisks to the whole thing that may, maybe it was partly that, and then Hamas took advantage of it. I really don't know. But the one thing we do know is that we're being lied to about what's currently happening in Gaza right now, whatever you think happened on the 7th. And uh, as well, we also have the ex-deputy director of Mossad saying, and uh, Ram Ben Barak saying that if every country takes 20,000 individuals, that would involve 100 countries, considering they're refugees, it is better to be a refugee in Canada than in Gaza. What an interesting statement. Now, what he basically just said there, or literally just said, is that there are refugees anywhere, but they're living in hell in Gaza. So go over here and it'll be better. Well, that's not anybody's fault, but Israel. They love to blame this on Hamas, but it's so easy to prove that Hamas has no control over all the things that make it a living hell. The water, the food, the electricity, everything. They're just under that. They're, they're under that control, just like everybody else in Gaza. They just play on the ignorance of the average people, and they're rapidly beginning to realize that that's not true. Here's WikiLeaks verifying the leaked document that discusses and outlines everything that's happening right now as the plan. The next move is to drive them into the desert of Egypt. Here is George Smazmuli pointing out that an, an interesting point to kind of end on here before the last few points about the ICC. As much as we're seeing the ICC, or rather people working through the ICC, begin to stand up and initiate this process, as always, in any of these groups, they have been influenced and manipulated and threatened, like from Pompeo and Bolton, many times, which will ultimately, over time, influence what they do. So here does seem to be that happening. Tracking me missing from the Gaza war is the International Criminal Court. The ICC is not usually so reticent. It had no hesitation earlier this year to issue arrest warrants against Russian President Putin and Russia's Children's Rights Commissioner, alleging that they had unlawfully deported children from Ukraine to Russia. The ICC issued the arrest warrants even though it had conducted no serious investigation. Similarly, the ICC wasn't reticent about getting into the thick of things during NATO's 2011 bombing of Libya. If you recall, NATO in March 2011 began to bomb Libya, claiming its president, Muammar Gaddafi, was about to commit genocide. With about to commit genocide. Isn't that great? One of these great historical moments to pull in as Matt Miller and, and whatever that lollipop kid's name is out there saying that we need to go through our invasive one each bombing investigation to be able to, but over here, NATO land, you know, Libya, well, they're going to bomb them, kill them all. Where's the legality there? Where's the investigation? That's, that's like, that's Bethlehem doctrine, preemptive self-defense based on the allegation of genocide. That's crazy. And now we look back and know that we were lied to about everything, about the fact that Libya had the highest quality of life of any nation, of any state in Africa, any of them, or any nation, rather. High, had free education, free health care. I mean, these are objective facts. It's easy to look up. As much as people denied them, and they still do right up until this day. The point is, he was trying to buck the system. Now, I'm not saying he was perfect or that there weren't people that were suffering like any government. The point was, what they turned it into and it still is to this day is a basically a hellscape compared to what it was. Open slave markets, ruling, fighting, vying factions of warlords fighting for power, one, one of which is backed by the UN, others backed by the United States. It's just crazy. But that's liberation, according to Hillary Clinton, who will chack, you know, cackle about it when asked. What's interesting, though, is it's obvious that the line they're towing today to argue why they can't tell whether it is, it's just trying to save their asses right now. 
Within weeks, the ICC was issuing arrest warrants, not against NATO, needless to say, but against Gaddafi. Again, before any kind of an investigation. So the ICC can move when it wants to. The ICC can also drag its feet when it needs to. In 2014, the ICC launched a preliminary examination of possible UK war crimes in Iraq. The ICC had already closed one inquiry in 2006, claiming that the required gravity threshold of the Rome Statute had not been met. Right, so we care about it there, but we don't care about it in regard to Libya. We think it's going to happen, and that one's okay. 14, however, the ICC reopened the inquiry, but six years later, in December 2020, the ICC, to no one's surprise, announced it was yet again closing the investigation. Why? Well, according to the ICC, though there was clear evidence UK forces had committed war crimes in Iraq, including murder and torture, the ICC couldn't conclude that UK authorities were unwilling to investigate these crimes. This was untrue. <laughs> according to Human Rights Watch, quote, despite repeated findings by British courts that UK soldiers had mistreated Iraqis in detention, there has been virtually no domestic criminal accountability. So what about Gaza? The government of Palestine had in January 2015 accepted ICC jurisdiction over alleged crimes committed on Palestinian territory since June 2014. That's important because Israel claims this is illegitimate because they didn't. But here's the game that's played. Like they're doing now, they love to pretend when it suits their interest that Gaza is its own state, its own nation. As even I think the president of Israel called them their nation when they addressed it as the people they're fighting. Okay, well, so fine. Then if they're a nation, they have the right to work with the ICC, which means then what you do to them can be charged in front of the ICC. See, but that's, see, if they try to then go, well, but wait a minute, they're not. They're part of our, part of Israel. Well, then suddenly they're on the hook for keeping them safe. It's this game that's always played. Everybody knows it, who cares and is honest. But at the end of the day, now we're in a situation where they can't pull that argument back. And so now the ICC is going forward and Palestine is part of that. They've signed on to that concept. So we'll see what happens. Israel doesn't care. They don't care about anything, it seems. But the world has shifted since this happened. This time frame would include Israel's Operation Protective Edge, launched in July 2014, the killings during the Land Day protests of 2018, and the killings during the fighting in May 2021. Yet, curiously enough, the ICC did nothing for six years. Finally, in March 2021, it announced the launch of an investigation. That was two and a half years ago, and not much has happened since. As for the current war, ICC prosecutor Karim Khan has said little. On October 29th, he visited the Rafah crossing in Egypt and declared that the ICC has, quote, jurisdiction over crimes committed by Palestinian nationals or the nationals of any Rome state state parties on Israeli territory. Okay, so Palestinian nationals are covered. What about Israeli leaders and military forces? Khan right. left that vague. Israel, he acknowledges, not a state party of the ICC. Not to worry, though, Khan was, quote, ready to work with state parties and non-state parties in pursuit of accountability. I wouldn't hold my breath. The ICC has never had much to do with equal application of the law. Guy, guy speaks as fast as I do. But it's interesting. It's just the point is simply to say that inter- these bodies in general are very they're rarely in the interest of the average person, but it doesn't mean that individuals within them can, can, you know, all be on the same mindset, right? It's very likely that some of these people might actually be trying to make this happen, especially since things have shifted and people are feeling more freedom and willingness to call these things out. Now, just to end in general on that same point, it's, it's crazy what has been shifting, even just in the last week. Dave DeCamp reports on the 14th, over 400 U.S. officials signed a letter criticizing Biden's Israeli policy. Doesn't mean we have to blindly support everything these politicians believe. Some of these people are like the AOCs of the world. I don't believe they're even honest. But what what this is the point I was making before. It often happens where their interests just happen to align with what's right. And we just it, it just the point is it doesn't really matter. You know what's right and you know what matters. So take the support where you can get it. Doesn't mean that you're on their side all of a sudden. The point is just to point out these people are in power. They're in positions of, of, of power and they are seeing, and they're calling it out. And that has 
uh, the ability to influence the average person that thinks that they're honest. 400 officials. Spanish prime minister speaking up saying Israel must stop indiscriminate killing of Palestinians. Right. We've got Jordan. We've got Spain. We've got many U.S. officials it's all around the world. People are speaking up, even even Macron, which blew my mind four days ago, called on Israel to stop killing Gaza's women and babies, after which they basically attacked France, like in, 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 in verbal, in, in a verbal way. It's just, the point is that they're eating themselves alive. They're they're calling out the U.N., who in, his, in some cases in the past has taken their side or obfuscated what they've done. Like in the way, like we just talked about the ICC, as much as they'll stand and make claims, they fall away when it matters most. Lastly, Palestinian mission to the UK calls on members of parliament to vote for an immediate ceasefire. This is coming from the state of Palestine. Everywhere they're getting pressure, and this is being called for for the parliament in UK. But overall, it doesn't mean it's going to stop. I mean, I think we can see that, right? Obviously, Israel is like the best example I've ever seen of that cornered animal. They've lost everything for this in regard to the influence over people's opinions, the the influence in the world stage. I mean, it's, it's just, it's it's wild. But it's a good thing for the idea of what Zionism was doing to the state of Israel or to the people of Israel. It's important. And I'm very, um, it's the silver lining to this horrible situation that people are finally seeing the real responsible party to all of this and hopefully seeing some accountability. But thank you for tuning in tonight because I just can't keep, I just can't stress enough how important this is and will become to a larger conversation as we go forward. And whether that is because of a foreign policy point or that this is interconnected with a larger agenda, it, it could just simply be because this topic was so central to so many other manipulations that suddenly this is going to change so many things as we go forward. So it, it's very important that we're very aware of how this goes down and what happens in real time. Now, I was going to try to do a focus, I think it was even yesterday or today again, on a couple of things. I still have it lined up. I'm going to get to it in regard to soil tack, not because it's like a time-sensitive thing. It's already been done. But I just want people to see some overlaps and keep this in the conversation. I have a huge segment that I've lined up in regard to medical freedom. I just thought this was important to get out in you know shorter than usual time frame. So we'll keep it there tonight. But thank you for tuning in, guys. And your support is very important. As we've been showing you with our, our new people brought on the team, Carrie Wedler, Jason Bassler, and any number of other people we're trying to bring in, growing to, you know, really rival some some, you know, the point as I've always put out there that it's my desire to get to a point in this where we have not, it's not just about resources, but it's just, it's about getting to a point to where we have the standing as well as the, as the, the wherewithal and, and the, the security to be able to stand up and do this with no worry that we're going to have to battle things and really to say things to where they it will be in the conversation, whether they want it or not. I mean, as the social engineers and, and look, I, I have reached today. The last American vagabond has reached, but it still is minimized in a lot of ways. Think about the average person out there that starts a channel that has finds something important, has the right thing, but just doesn't have, and then they get suppressed as well. That's the kind of point I'm making is it shouldn't be like that. If you have something that's important, if you're breaking a story, whether you got one follower or 5 million, it should be possible that everyone could see it. We know that's not the world we live in today, and I'm fighting for that whether that's through T-Lab or my ability to help those people as well. And actually on that note, I haven't brought this up. If you're out there and you're in the Nashville area or specifically Franklin, Tennessee, and you're 
in this business, if you're up and coming or you're, you're in any position in general, but you want to have a discussion about utilizing our, our office here and the different recording rooms and the space we have, or just to kind of discuss and talk about things going forward and how maybe T-Lab can work together. Not to say that's going to happen for sure, but open that conversation, reach out to me and the many different ways you can reach out. Because just like I've talked about with Scott in general, who is, you know, growing into it, doing many other great projects right now, it's important that we help people in that path. Because so many people out there have important things to say and just no ability to get them heard. And I think that needs to change. That's what we're fighting for. So reach out to me if you want to support this platform. As always, all the links are down below for you to check out our autonomy program, our sub stack, our donation portal on the website itself. We need your support because we are entirely a donation-based platform and we can't do this without you. You are the last American Vagabond. Thank you for being here. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.